I'm Jason Sylvia, and this is The Creative Capital Show. A show about creative people and how those creative people turn into entrepreneurs by taking their creativity and turning it into a business and facing all the trials and tribulations along the way. What would happen if a coffee company decided to take a risk and conduct an experiment? The experiment? Open a space combining the worlds of coffee, spirits, and cocktails, and see if the space can satisfy audiences of all three, while creating a new audience of its own. If you're wondering what kind of coffee company would do such a thing, and what kind of person would manage such a space, well, that coffee company would be New Harvest, and that person would be this episode's guest, Ryan Zins. Ryan has years of experience as both a barista and a bartender. This, combined with his work ethic, would make him the perfect person to manage a cafe and cocktail bar. But the story here goes beyond mixing drinks, pulling espresso shots, and managing people. It's a story about ambition, about having conviction in your ideas, the willingness to experiment and take risks. This is the story of New Harvest Coffee and Spirits. Enjoy. doing all right man i mean happy to be here it's my day off but you dragged me in here so oh well now i feel awful <laughs> <laughs> no i finally the boss was like i'm tired of seeing you get out of here for a minute <laughs> so i pick i picked the most gorgeous day possible and i'm like all right i'm not gonna be here <laughs> there you go and now i dragged you back in here when you're out they, they just drag you back in they do they do <laughs> for anybody who's listening ryan um we're, we're in a very beautiful space where are where are we and what it is what is it that you do here so we are in i guess for all intents and purposes we are in the farm fresh food hub um if anyone's not familiar with farm fresh they're a great kind of a farmer collaborative that kind of combines all, like all the farms in rhode island kind of brings them together and and kind of disperses those gorgeous ingredients around the state especially to low-income families which is huge Um, So they created this giant building off Sims Avenue, um, the Valley, as they call it nowadays. We like to have our own hip name, like the the big cities out there, although Providence is never going to get there. But, you know, we we like to call ourselves the Valley. I I don't know if I want Providence to get there. Like, I want the nicknames because that's fun. But I don't know if I want it to get there because rents are already skyrocketing. I don't want to skyrocket anymore. Right. So at the corner of Sims and um, what is that? Kinsley, Kinsley Avenue. We are... um, the Farm Fresh Food Hub, but what my company does, uh, I am New Harvest Coffee and Spirits. So we are the flagship cafe that is abutted right next to the world-renowned, well, I say world-renowned, but, you know, the North New England-renowned uh, coffee provider, New Harvest Coffee Roasters. Um, we are basically the cafe and, subsequently, the bar that uh, tries to tackle all of your liquid needs, whether it's coffee whiskey or i don't know chai if you're into that kind of thing or any any other spirit really yeah yeah absolutely yeah so ryan uh thank you for coming on thank you for coming on the podcast and you know we were talking about this before i think the value in the in this episode because i've interviewed other people within the bar industry in province and rhode island right i've interviewed 
um, other entrepreneurs, but I think the value in this episode, because we're, we're going to be going, for anybody who's, who's listened to the show before, thank you, first off. But secondly, this is going to go on a couple of different tangents. I've made jokes. It's like a Tarantino movie. We're going to be <laughs> jumping around in the timeline and shit. Um, but the reason why I say that, I think the value is going to be your experience as a manager, as a leader, um, you know, a leader of the team that works here, but also this idea of adaptability and being malleable, not with not just your own professional career in life, but also New Harvest, the company. So this is not going to be like a straight up New Harvest episode, hopefully a future episode, but I think this is going to be more about the way I'm envisioning it. And I think with the, with the way the questions are going to go to, and we'll find out as this episode goes on, is more about being being adaptable, being able to adapt to your, to your surroundings to the current trends, but then also like the value in that, and then the value of how do you lead in that way as well, and how do you treat your employees, how do you treat your customers, and how do you adapt, and how do you you know be able to change, but also to kind of keep the core spirit of whatever it is you're doing. Fantastic. Which I think is valuable for anybody who's currently working right now. If you're a manager, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to scale up your company, and you have enough self awareness where you you know you're not going to be that kind of manager, well, you're probably going to have to hire some people to be able to do that for you. So, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you get some kind of value out of this episode. But as previous episodes have indicated, I try to be the Providence version of Nard Warren. You're one of the first people that I couldn't find much information on, <laughs> so it's a good thing I know you somewhat personally just from sure, being sure. from being a patron and being behind the bar and working with you in a couple of different capacities. But, Smoke and mirrors, my friend. Yeah, Smoke exactly. It's, a, it's like you, you know what? See, you're you're like you're you you're you've smartened up. You're like I can't put everything out on nope. the internet. I don't do that. Only Nor do because, I want to. Yeah. I don't do it because I've worked in tech, but yeah. you haven't done it. But I do know a couple of things. One thing. So I have, here's my first question. How does a, it, correct me if I'm wrong, how does a history major get into the bartending business? How does that, how does that happen? What, what, what tangent did you take where you're like, Sure. Yeah, or or did you or you were like you know what I always wanted to study the history of Scotch. Was, yeah. was, that, was that was that the deal? That's a lot of it. Um, interesting question. I mean, that's, that's a fair question too. Um, I think we all have dreams about what we're going to do. You know, early on. I, I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to be a. Um, I wanted to work in a library. I really wanted to deal with old books and maps. And then when I started realizing what that actually meant, is you know you have to spend 12 years of your life working as a, a lowly, you know, kind of behind the counter, getting angry at a late book fee kind of person and work your way up to something like a special collections room person. I will say though, Providence has some cool libraries. Like aren't there like the book, like there's there one, the one library that has like books bound in human skin or oh, something. Absolutely. Crap. Well, there's the Athenaeum, which is like yeah. one of the oldest, you know, it's a beautiful building. Uh, I oddly, you know, what's funny is I don't read. I don't, <laughs> I love, books. I want to work in a library. I want to deal with them, but I don't read at all. So kind of an oxymoron there, but um, I'm just I, getting flashback of Wade's world. Yeah, you know, you know what the right. worst part is I never learned how to I'm read. I'm a walking contradiction, and the, you know that maybe that's a beautiful thing. But um, my whole family is uh, involved in education. I mean, I, my father was um, an educator to a degree. As far as uh, he went to seminary, he, he you know he taught religion for a long time. My mom's been an educator for. 40 years in Barrington. Uh, my grandfather was the registrar at Brown. My brother, Steve, he's a, a professor and a science chair at Portsmouth Abbey High School. My brother, Dan, teaches overseas in Abu Dhabi. You know, so coming out of high school, um, LaSalle Academy, go Rams. Um, I figured instead of spending an insane amount of money on a school that, you know, I can't afford and, you know, that will 
take me away from the state I love. Let me go right down the street to Rhode Island College. Go Anchorman, um, which is renowned for its education department. And I said, all right, so if my whole family is doing this, maybe I can, you know, I have the gift of gab. I can talk a lot. I can, you know, I'm patient to some degree, although which each, each passing year it's, it's waning on me and I'm hating the world and people even more. But um, yeah, I decided, all right, let me go to school for history and eventually I'll teach it. Found out that the teaching aspect of this, you know, kind of career was, or this major that I was asking, you know, trying to get was adding about three years extra to my schooling. So I'm like, forget about it. I'll just get the history major. I love history. High school kind of high school teacher, Mark Carty, a great guy. He um, opened my world to history and what it, what it means. You know, he, he, he took it away from memorize dates, memorize, you know, names, and he kind of presented it as like a, a story. You know, I love stories. So he changed the world of history for me. As far as drinking is concerned, I mean, I, I wasn't that guy that drank when I was 16, 17, whatever. I was kind of a, a noob and I didn't drink throughout high school. I didn't, I didn't smoke really. You know, I, freshman year of college, I was kind of trying to see what the, what the fuck I was trying to do. Um, you know, that whole awkward period of who am I? You know, what kind of person do I want to be? Um, but it was until like sophomore, maybe junior year, I really started kind of getting into it and yeah, you start off with doing like, you know, there's one spirit that you can't drink anymore because you went too hard on it, right? You know, it's that was scotch for me. It was like I was in my, my buddy's basement, you know, we were passing around a bottle. You know, his dad wasn't there. You know, it was one of those classic weekends where we had a friend on the lookout, you know, and like. It's like something straight out of like an 80s team. Oh, party. absolutely. We And we're chasing with a Sam Adams Boston <laughs> lager. You know what I mean? So we're taking sips of single malt scotch and chasing is, with a Sam Adams. This is a Adam. John Hughes script, yeah. basically. And I think it was in that moment where I was just like, I want to devote my life to scotch. No, <laughs> no I, I, I got pretty sick. I didn't get as sick as my friend. We got found out. Uh, and the next morning uh, was church. And that's why I was, I was staying that, over. I, his, oh, that's definitely a John yeah, Hughes fan. <laughs> yeah. I was staying over my friend's house because his father was going to drive me to church the next day. And um, we go to Sunday school before the service. And my mom is actually teaching Sunday school that, that, uh, that lesson. And her lesson was all about telling the truth. And, you picked um, the yeah. worst possible time. <laughs> you know what? Things happen in my life where I, I can't deny it. You know, it's just like, I don't necessarily, I believe in a higher power. I don't know what to call it, but whether you call it, you know, the signs, whether you call it stars, I don't care what you call it. There's something about things that happen to you that just, this stuff always happens to me. So I have to tell her, his, his father's like, basically like, all right, I'm not going to, you're not going to get in trouble. You have to tell your mom. I'm not going to tell your mom. You're an adult. You know, and you got drunk, so. It's, I'm, I'm not going to punish you, but you have to tell her. So I tell her, and she's like, oh, she threatens to kick me out of the football team, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's very sad, but, you know, she ends, ends up punishing me. But, you know, after that, it kind of opened my eyes to what spirits are a little bit. You know, that was my first getting drunk incident. But after college, you know, I, I have always been involved in the restaurant scene. You know, I, I started working in Newport. Um, Rhode Island at Perro Salado. That was going to um, be my next question. What led you to Perro Salado? Yeah. And so, in Newport, because if you're going to Rhode Island College, like I grew up around there, that's like sure. Providence, North Providence area. Yeah. And then like Newport's like kind of a, in Rhode Island perspective, yeah. for anybody outside of the state, like they'd be like, why are you guys complaining? But like in a Rhode Island sense, it's a pain in the bucks. It's like a 30 to 40 minute drive depending yeah. on traffic. The but classic pack of lunch. You yeah, got to yeah, cross, exactly, you gotta yeah. cross two bridges. It's yeah, not yeah, getting yeah, any better. Yeah. People, Rhode Islanders love to complain about anything they can. And, 
we reserve that right from, <laughs> as a born from, raiser. But from the choice of of, of, yeah, of sure. bars that are like sure. around the area or like your vicinity to downtown in relation yeah. to where you went to college, because downtown would probably be closer and probably have a higher, if not like depending on like the year, like because yeah. like, this is like we're, we're talking X amount of years mm-hmm. previously. So why Newport? You're like. Yeah, let me go over that bridge. Let me do that that pain in the butt thing and sure. let me go to Newport. So my brother Dan, um, he had the job there before and he kind of was just like throughout college, he was like, Hey, we need we need another helper. We need another helper. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do the whole two jobs thing. So so nepotism, a very Rhode Island thing. Nepotism. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to do the whole two jobs things. Flash forward, I'm sure, you know, we'll get to that. But you know, I've throughout my life I've had nine jobs. But you know, I was young and stupid and you know, I was like no, I already have one job, and oddly enough, that was in coffee. I wore the green apron for about four and a half years. Uh, I worked at Starbucks right downtown uh, at the one financial building, and um, that's where you know, kind of my coffee knowledge basically sprouted. You know, from what it taught me a lot of things. It so taught was this me during college or post? Yeah, like I, I got my job at Starbucks my freshman year of college, so basically okay. it was my college gig. Okay, which helped me. You know, say what you want about Starbucks, it. Honestly, it, it paid the bills. It paid the bills and it taught me structure. You know, my, my mom beat it into me long before that. But, you know, it, was, it taught me a lot of things as far as a corporate atmosphere that, you know, makes sense for, I don't know. I, I think they're, they're, I think everyone should have a corporate gig, whether they hate it or not, in some point. You in get their to life. see stuff at scale, which yeah. I think is interesting because to be it's able huge. to have to do something consistent at scale, whether right. you want to, whether you, whether you think it's good or bad. It's it's still a marvel even to me that it's a consistent bag. Mm-hmm. Like I am not a fan of Starbucks, but I think it is interesting that it's not a different bad at a Starbucks in Texas versus a Starbucks in Rhode Island versus a Starbucks in Massachusetts. It's the like, same bad. It's the same bad yeah. consistently, which I think like in a weird way there's something to be said about sure, that. Sure, sure. And I think like if you're gonna run a business or be an entrepreneur, okay, maybe you don't want to scale to that size, but like you working can, in a working in a big corporate environment, yeah. one of the positives is you can at least see how the the ways where things work right from things at scale and the ways that it doesn't mm-hmm. work right, and you can kind of like you know that's like the, maybe the one thing to take away is it's like okay, oh this is how they consistently do stuff at scale. This is why they put systems in place exactly. that are repeatable, so the order they can scale this thing up. Yeah, I have this argument with my partner all the time about Chick Fil A. You know, like hate their practices, hate what they stand for. But you can't knock the fucking the system that they have in place and they print money. You know what I mean? Starbucks is the same way. You know, it's like better practices, better understanding about, you know, politics and where they stand in the fold. But, you know, they, they're they like you said, it's the higher or like just their, their systems in place as a small business. You know, The larger you scale, right. the, the more those systems have to be tightened up. Exactly. And if they're not, then you're going to have issues. Yeah. So. So that is interesting. That's why I didn't. I didn't realize you you worked at you worked at Starbucks. So I did. You, so you so you did the you did the reverse. You were like, I want to work at the biggest. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the other way. Exactly. So question, so, so flashback to you know the question you asked me. I was working at Starbucks and you know so he was like, all right, we just need we need an extra hand. We need a busser. And I'm like, you know what? I, I've said no to this kid for three years now. So my senior year, I was like, you know what? All right, I'll work one day a week as a busser in Newport. My first shift, I work my ass off, and I never worked at a restaurant before. I was 17. Never worked at a restaurant before. Well, no, I, was, I wasn't 17. How old was I? A junior of college. So that must have been I was like 20, 19. Right, right around there. I worked for like seven hours straight. And coming from Starbucks where we have scheduled breaks, 15, half hour, you know, get lunch, whatever. 
Again, again, that, that corporate scaling yeah, because seven hours straight. At one point, I, I I tapped someone on the shoulder and they're like, "I'm like, when do we get our break?" And they laughed in my face. Yeah, they're like, that was like break? the first moment of my life where I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna di- I'm like a different you know, <laughs> this is this is it's, totally it's different a different beast." But then I got cash at the end of the night, and I don't know if you've ever worked in Newport or if you know anyone listening worked in Newport, Rhode Island. The cash down there is a different animal, and it, it sucked me in right away. I mean, I I'm a hard worker, no matter what what I'm doing, whether it's gardening or I don't care. I, I know one speed and it's, it's, it's hard work. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to half-ass anything really because I, you know, probably from how I was raised, I see a need and I, I need it to be done. It, it's to the point now where it's like, all right, <laughs> I got to calm down a little bit. You know what I mean? But, um, I see the need, I do it. So I, I quickly rose, you know, anyone, it's it, anyone that's been to Perro Salado, anyone that knows Dan and Andy, as owners now, Gerilyn, um, they're just fantastic people, and they they see potential. For anybody that doesn't know yeah. Perro Salado yeah. or Newport, just because um, I hope I hope there's people outside of Rhode Island listening to us, can you can you describe sure. just the area of Newport, yeah. what it's like, what kind of like area it is, why the cash is so good, and yeah. then describe what Perro Salado is. Newport's a funny beast, you know. It's it's um, <laughs> everyone always asks me, you know. You work here, but you don't live here. Why don't you live here? And I'm like, you know, I like I like making money here, and I like leaving. You know, it's it's a very incestuous kind of, you know, everyone knows what you're doing, but also a very just fun loving, you know, very accepting place as well. Um, Perro Salado is the perfect storm of location. You know, it's it's right off the highway. It's right when people ask, oh, I don't know where it is. I usually say it's right across the street or right down the street from White Horse Tavern, the oldest tavern in America from what they say. But I'm pretty sure they have records to back it up. They do. Actually, I've seen them yeah. framed on the wall. And Newport yeah. being like a very touristy area because it's like million dollar mansions. I think Huge the mansion, I think the mansion scene from True Lies was filmed there. Yep. And it's like on the water. There's it's like, yep. it's like old money, yeah. like old money, like the leaders of the free world were like having, having their summers super there. I mean, Vanderbilt had, had yeah. his houses there. Yeah. You know, like it, it just super old money. But the convenient place or the convenient location of Paris Salado, it's, it's right off... So you get off the highway, we're right off, you know, it's right on um, Charles Street, which is right in kind of um, uh, Charles Square, um, which is kind of right off one of the more like historic aspects or districts of Newport. It's not on Thames Street. It's not on, you know, kind of that whole area of, you know, just like the the, the tourist area of like crap. You know what I mean? Um, Paris Salado is like this right on Charles Street, right on this like perfect kind of oasis of not a lot of things happening. You know, there's, there's Broadway, which is more old school kind of, um, more industry forward, you know, kind of, of a very, just kind of more welcoming, you know, not like sterile and in tourist trap ridden. Right. So, I mean, and it's one of the more premier kind of, if, if you're looking for a great margarita, I mean, that that's the place to be, you know, so I started there as a busser and I worked my way up and I, I quickly became one of the, you know, the head bartenders there and I didn't know the first thing about bartending. I mean, I, I started say, well, as a bar back. I was going to ask if that was if that was your education. Yeah. Was that, was that your bartending school, so to speak? Basically. I mean, people ask me all the time. They're like, well, how did you go to school for this? And Look, if, you, if you're trying to be a bartender out there, it, to anyone that's trying to be a bartender, I mean, get a, rest, get a restaurant gig and start as a bar back. I mean, if, if you can hustle, if you can run, if you can literally physically run and get things and cut fruit and stock things, get a bar back gig 
and work your way up from there. Like if you're, if you're an 18 year old, if you're a 21 year old trying to like make it in the business, start there. And not to interrupt, but just cause I love doing this cause I have enough episodes to do this now yeah. to, to reference, um, Jen, yeah. um, of the Eddie and Dirk's fame, uh, in, you know, we'd like to get your quick thoughts on this um, just before we go into the bar, sure. the bartending school that was Parasocks. I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, do you think that people even today underestimate like how lucrative bartending can be compared to like, because I remember like Jen, Jen, um, you know, waxing poetic on this. And I, and I agree with uh, like pretty much damn near everything she said about like, yeah, like do people not realize like like bartending is pretty lucrative and like it's like one of the few jobs that if you don't have a degree you can make as much if not more with somebody with a degree depending on like you know the circumstances and everything like mm-hmm. you know just I don't know if you saw that or experienced the same thing or- yeah my, my experience was very um I had to see you know I kind of try by fire you know yeah. I, I didn't I didn't realize any of this and I'll, I, I like to preface this when people ask me this like when I told my mom I was going to be a bartender instead of, you know, a teacher or coming as I've, I've about to ask how was that that conversation? Yeah, I have, I have a bachelor's degree in history, you know, I, I could, I could get a private teaching gig somewhere at a private school or whatever, you know, try to do that. But, you know, she, what she fell in love with or what she admired was the work ethic involved, you know, like in basically busting your ass, you know, 40, 60 hours a week, you know, and, and doing some hard shit that, um, she didn't really realize was part of the gig. As far as the money's concerned, yeah, Jen's totally right. And um, the, the the tricky thing about the money with bartending is you got to be smart about it. And <laughs> not a lot of bartenders are. I mean, especially working in Newport, you're getting cash hand over fist, you know, in the middle of summer. <clears throat> and it's like, all right, so ideally you should be probably stashing some of that away. You should probably set up like, you know, whether it's like an acorn investment account or like, you know, take some of this away, stash some aside, you know, because we're not in California, like right. New, Newport's like a slave to winter where it's not exactly. always warm. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but the end of the tax season fucking ate me in the ass every time, you know, at the end of the year, I wasn't, everyone looks forward to tax season, right? Everyone's like, all right, I'm going to get a tax return. I can't wait to file. They're filing early if they can. No, I waited, waited to the last day every year, if not longer than the last day, because, you know, I don't know how much money I've owed the IRS over the past, you know, seven years, because, you know, depending on where you are, you're getting cash tips, depending on what's declared, depending on what you declare, ultimately the IRS is going to find out about it and it's going to take a, a bigger hit from you. But that being said, if you're smart about bartending and if you, if you're at the right location, if you're at, you know, an institution that understands what those cash tip means, you know, a lot of, a lot of places are instituting kind of a, a move to cash tips being all or all of your tips being in a paycheck, you know, so that the government Uncle Sam can track that shit and, you know, take what he needs to. And from there, you can kind of be comfortable with the fact that you're maybe you're not walking out with five hundred dollars every night. But, you know, ultimately, it's going to work out in you know in your favor at the end of the week. Right. Um, so, yeah, bartending, I mean, as a as a as a job, it's hard work. You know, it it's not for everyone. You either have it or you don't. You really do. You know, it's and, and those that do make it a career. And there's nothing to knock that. I mean, bartending as a career is has changed tenfold. I mean, people are understanding exactly what that means. So I have a question before we get into like the bartending education at Parasolato, um, because I want to dive into that. Mm-hmm. But was were you at Parasolato and you're getting your bartending education, so to speak, and you're still trying to do the educational job, like because that you went to school for, or was was like that happening like in parallel? Like, was there a certain breaking point where you're just like, 
no, I want to do this now. I don't, sure. I don't even care about the thing, you know, cause you I, know, at some point, I guess there had to have been a breaking point. You know, what's funny is I, I, I was at Starbucks and doing Parasolato for about, I think six months doing both. Oh, so you're doing that at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's a I was, I, was fi- I was finishing school and I was doing both at the same time. And, um, <laughs> I kind of got to my, I stopped caring about Starbucks. You know, I, I, I was, I did the job really well. Like, you know, like bartending, but you know, I, I was on different cafes around, you know, Starbucks has this community of like, all right, so Thayer street, Barrington, Newport, you can be a barista at one store and work other stores because it's the same training, right? That goes back to the systems yeah. they have in place where you can plug in and plug out. Yep. In numerous cafes around the state, I had a frequently most called, you know, barista name, you know, like Ryan's ends. Here's his phone number. If you need a shift covered, gotcha. do it. Cause I was just, I worked. That's all I knew how to do. And that's what I did. I got burnt out. So I just stopped showing up on time. You know, like I, I was oversleep my alarm because I was working late nights at Parasolato. You know, I was drinking more. I was, I was, you know, having a good time. I was living the college life that everyone loves, right. That, that you, you know, you see movies about, or you see, you know, things online about, you know, so I, <laughs> so they're basically like, all right, my, my manager was great. She's like, we're not going to fire you. We're going to give you your two weeks because we, we appreciate all the hard work you've done. And you're just after your four and a half years here, you know, it's kind of time for you to phase out. So I did. And then I became full fledged parasolata. And that's when I started my two shifts a week became five shifts a week. And I was making the drive down there in whatever beater I had at the time. You know, I'd never had a car that worked, but you know, I rode the 60, um, Props to Ripta. I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> uh, the number 60 is a an interesting ride from Kennedy Plaza down to Newport, Rhode Island, but it's only two bucks. And honestly, <clears throat> it saved my... The saved, fact like, that two bucks could yeah. get you from literally the, the, the capital of Providence yeah. to the water in Newport yeah. is kind of insane. It is. And it was the, it was the last stop, so was, I could pass out, and it's not like, you know, I'm going to miss my stop. Yep. You know, I, I don't know how many times the bar or the buster would just come over and kick my leg and Say, hey, we're at the last stop. You know, got, got to get off. I'm like, thank you, boss. Appreciate it. Um, so I, I was riding the bus. I, I got there whichever way I could because Newport was just like this, like what I said before, just like this enigma, just like this this thing that, I don't know, as a, as a, as a worker in Newport, like I said, with bartending, you either have it or you don't. You know, there's... Newport's either going to make or break you. It's like it's that it's that type of town where you either you either have what it takes to make it work, which I did for nine years, or you don't, and it, you let it kind of consume you, and and you fall into many different avenues. Unfortunately, what happens to people that work in Newport in the industry? Yeah, you know, either you fall into like that depression of I'm here all the time working insane hours, and all I do afterwards is kind of drink with my friends, or you know, it's a beautiful place, but you'd be surprised how dark it gets, you know, cause I don't, if you've ever noticed this with extreme wealth, there's always extreme poverty as well. So Newport's like, yeah, this, Newport's a duality. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's very much mansions a, yeah. and like the richest people in tourists, but then there's also as, like government housing there, as one like of the military housing there. The and it's worst got, like, drug rates, one of the worst right. kind of homeless rates. And same with my brother lived out in Hawaii for two years. He, he saw the same thing, you know, like it, it's paradise, but it could also be hell on earth. It's hell on earth. Yeah. So like, Navi, I mean, leaving Newport was huge for me. You know, I not only after were you living in Providence and I was, going down? I was commuting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was I needed to be in the city I loved, the city I knew, grew to love, and kind of just 
I was always that transplant. I, I would, I, I had Newport friends and I had Providence friends and, and Providence friends would go down to Newport, but they wouldn't do it that often. Yeah. Newport friends would rarely come up to Providence cause it's just, it's that like, Oh, I have to, you know, before we go into the bar trainings, we were definitely getting into it. Do, yeah. do you think that that helped like, like being in Providence, like not getting into the Newport trap as you, as you said it, you know, before I think it did. I think okay. it was huge for me. Absolutely. So now you're, now you're bartending, you know, you leave Starbucks, you're bartending full time at Perro Salado or like you know, you're getting more shifts. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. You're getting your bartending education. Were you still either like you were either in college or graduating college? Like, were you still like, I'm going to do this history thing or do, like, did it get to a point where you're like, I like the money is too good. Like what, what was it about bartending that you're like, yeah, this history thing was good, but uh, nope. I think more than the money, which was amazing. You know, it, it, that's what keeps you coming back. It was the people. It was, it was okay. the, you know, I, like I said before, I was, I've always been a social person. I mean, my mom always told me I'd, from the age of five, I could walk into a room and have everyone just kind of eating off my finger or whatever, hand, whatever that means, yep. you know, yep. I, but I'm also, I'm, I'm not a pompous person. I'm not, you know, I, I hate to, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about myself. So it, right now it's kind of weird, but it's. And you're hearing yourself in headphones, yeah, which is terrible. Weird mindfuck for you. <laughs> it is. It's the first time. And it, you know. I don't know. I can get, kind of get used to it. So maybe I am a little uh, condescending. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the conversations I had. I fell in love with the, the, the space I can kind of cultivate. There's something about three feet of, you know, wood and in, in between you and, a, a, a you know, kind of your customer that can kind of dissolve if you're interacting you know, on a, on a, on a, you know, the perfect way. Cause like, you're like part therapist, part like friend, part yeah. like, you know, slinging drinks part. Like you're playing a lot of different roles depending on who comes up to the bar that night at that time. And I don't, for all, for all the service industry people out there, I don't, we've all felt this in some, some <clears throat> way or other. There are certain nights that are complete shit that nothing is going right. Where like you, I don't care if you're overpouring, you're dropping bottles, you're spilling things. Customers don't like you. The tips are bad. You know you're re, you're ringing in things wrong. The kitchen is slow. I mean, and those days are probably more, you know, prevalent than than the others. You know, more, more um, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, more frequent. But then there's always that shift that just everything is clicking right. I mean, you're you're interacting with this, the customers. They're laughing. You you know. They're leaving you big fat tips, and they're saying thank you so much for an amazing night. Um, you know, you're you're making you're ringing everything in right. You're you know, like I I like to call it octopus bartending. You know, you feel like you have nine different limbs that you're just like you're in a flow state, right? A flow state, exactly. You know, you're just in there in that, and there's I've never been able to replicate that feeling, but being behind the bar. You know what I mean? That that's what I fell in love with. So it just made sense to you. And it made like, sense. Okay, to me. it clicks. This, this yeah. is clicking. And I and I knew right then. When that, that first night happened that everything clicked, I'm like, I can see myself doing this for a long time. So now, you know, this, this just occurred to me. So, you know, everything's clicking. Now you're getting your bartending education at Parasolata, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're finally getting into it. <laughs> People are like, 30 minutes in, it's finally happening. <laughs> um, but what I think is interesting is that you came from an education background yeah. so did you approach learning bartending because now that you've like managed like other bartenders enough do you think that you approached it differently than maybe like somebody else who didn't sure. have a background in education and like did you maybe dive deeper because you had a history thing so were you like 
oh, I'm going to learn everything there is to learn about rum or I'm going to learn everything there is to learn about that spirit? Like, how did you approach, like, your, like how did you get your education to bartending, but how did you approach it as well? Because sure. I think that's probably different for everybody. And somebody with an education background, I wonder, like, if there was something, like, different the way that you approached it maybe than other people did. Um, I don't think the education background kind of came into play too much. I think what helped me is that I'm a sponge about certain things. You know, it, I, I always got the, re- the report card grade back saying, you know, has very gifted but lacks drive you know that that stupid thing you know nowadays you'd blame the marijuana but you know it's <laughs> back in middle school I or this, really this person has ADD yeah exactly like, right give, give him know. pills it's yeah like, what the hell? No, no right exactly um for history w- once it finally clicked I wanted to learn everything I could about it for bartending that was the same way you know once it once that mold happened there was a puzzle piece that just fit perfectly I'm like, all right, I'm going to dive headfirst into this and I'm not going to put it down. Like, I don't read often, but if there's a book that I can't put down, then I'm going to tear through it because, you know, it's just, I'm very kind of, I don't know if it's an addictive personality or if it's just like, I want to know everything I can about this and I'm not going to stop until I do. So I wonder if it's like the hard work thing. Like, I only know one speed when it comes to working. Like, exactly. Like, I only know one speed when it comes to learning. It's like, I'm just going to dive in. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, I was asking questions constantly, almost annoyingly so you know, on the bar, whoever I was shadowing at the time, why'd you do that? You know, what are you doing there? And for me, that's how I like to train too. You know, it's, 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 I like, I like, you need, I, I want, I want someone to receive everything I'm saying and ask questions, but regurgitate and spit it back to me. You know what I mean? Like that's how I learned. Or also what's a great thing about Paris Lotto is that there wasn't a lot of shadowing, you know, it, when I had that, it was great. But ultimately, they just kind of threw you to the, the wolves or, you know, put you in the fire and said, all right, you're either going to make it work or you don't, you know? So you kind of have this, you have to have this resolve a little bit, you know? Was was this, and you also you learning about it, I'm just from a time frame perspective, because mm-hmm. I think that might come into play, but correct me if I'm wrong. Was this at the time when like, because I feel like, Bar, like like coffee, like bartending, like anything else in the world, right? There's like ebbs and flows and there's certain like time periods, right? Was Was this the time like, when craft bartending was like becoming a thing, was it already a thing? Was it starting to creep in? Did it hit Newport yet? Just I'm wondering how, like the timing of bartending in general, how that affected like it was. It was already a thing. I don't think it hit Newport yet when I was there. Now, now Newport has craft bars almost everywhere. And if if you're a city or a town that has a good bar scene and you don't have craft bars now, it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, what what are you doing? Um, (laughs) Ebbs and flows, right? You know, like it's, it's totally, so I think it, yes and no, you know, like it was, we weren't craft and Paris Lotta was never craft, you know, and, and they had, they have all this potential in the world to the point where towards the end of my tenure, I was like, all right, well, <clears throat> I, I love Newport as a city. I love that bar. New Harvest was offering me a better role. And I was like, all right. Oh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Sure. This is where it's going to get interesting. Yeah. But I, 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 you know, I popped the boss aside in Newport and I was like, you know, I want to lead this. They never had a bar bar manager. They never had a bar specific person to organize that what they were doing. As really, that's interesting. Social media and everything like that. And I'm like, this is this is the wave of what's happening now. Like, like, hey, like this is this is the trick. Like, this is this is coming. Like, yeah. it should have been here already. Yeah. It's coming. Like, and I'm 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 homegrown. This is what I can do for you. And were there other spots in and just not to cut you off, but were there other spots in Newport that were seeing it's coming? Or oh, absolutely. Like, so, yeah. they, like, so you you could even argue, I guess, to them, like, hey, like. 
other people in Newport are getting Either on this shit thing. Or get off the pot, you yeah, know, like yeah. like like do you want to be a part of this or not? Yeah. And like and I can be the guy to do it and mm-hmm. I'm homegrown, you don't gotta like reteach me. I can, no, I, I, can I know integrate I know everything this. about this building. Yeah. And unfortunately the timing wasn't right, you know. Gotcha. Bullshit. You know, yeah. I, 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 I love, they're my family and I can say that's bullshit because they are my family. You know, if she was sitting right here, I'd say it to her, but you know, eventually it led me, I don't know. I made the right decision in my mind, you know? So do you, do you think it was a, refu- a refusal to adapt? Like, I think like, so. Hey, like, Hey, we're, we're making money. Like what, like, or like, Hey, I've been running this business longer than you were mm-hmm. making money. The books are good. Like mm-hmm. what the hell do you know? Rhode Island as a whole is like that. Newport is, <laughs> Newport is a microcosm that's worse. Oh, okay. So All it's, right. it's, it's, it's a magnifying glass of Rhode Island, you know, gotcha. in, okay. in that mentality. Some places just, ref- and they close because they refuse to. They refuse to adapt. But, you know, Paro's different. Paro, Paro works because it has just an insane following that I don't think it would ever let them close. But I wonder if that's also like, hey, like, you're never going to close, but you're like, you're always going to make this baseline of money and it's never going to get to like, exactly. even like, yeah. like, oh, like you must not like a lot of money, I guess, because right. so yeah. like. That's going to be frustrating too. It's just like it's not enough for it to fail, but it's but it's also like it's just enough where it's like you, it's like there's no need to mm-hmm. change, so it never reaches its full potential. And I, I'd never I'd never done anything like that. I, there was nothing on my resume that said I could run a bar. Yeah, you know, I yeah. bartended for four years, five years. When I had that conversation, you know, there was nothing saying I am I am a bar manager. But I knew what I wanted. I knew I could do it. I knew I could figure it out. And I, I, I just wanted to, like, like I learned the whole way. I wanted to throw myself into it was, and, and learn from was there. Was that a personal thing or was that also like you were seeing the writing on the wall or was it like an entrepreneurial spirit? Because I think that's interesting. I was seeing the writing things. on the wall and it was a personal thing. I, I, gotcha. I wanted to, I had never, I don't push myself a lot. And I'm learning in adulthood. I'm 32 now. You know, we're, we're going back to 20-year-old Ryan. You know, I... Luckily, I have a partner that has encouraged me, I don't know how much, has made me into a better person as far as just like realizing what, what do you want in life and go get it? Because the worst that they're going to say is no. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what do you lose? You got to put yourself out there a little bit. And that was the first time I kind of put myself out there. And unfortunately, it was no. And it kind of shook me a little bit. It did. But I learned, I learned fucking a great deal from that conversation. I really did. So I don't even care if they said no. You know, that was just like, all right. Their loss, you know what I mean. From there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure. Choosing growth over comfort. We live in a world that tells us to be risk averse and to stay within your comfort zone. Now, listen, I'm not here to tell you to stop doing what works or to change up what brought you success in the first place. What I am saying is how can you expect to reach your full potential if you never embrace a mindset of growth and change? Ryan wanted to push himself, so he embraced a growth and change mindset and expressed his ideas about managing a bar. However, his current employer at the time had a difference of opinion, and they went their separate ways. Ryan went on to manage New Harvest Coffee and Spirits, and that previous employer, they're still making money, but are they realizing the full potential of their business? I guess we'll never know. So which one will you choose? Growth or comfort?
to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. And I, but I think this is a good play setting for the rest of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, as you said before, as you said in the beginning of this episode, we're sitting in New Harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain to anybody listening what not just this space because the space in New Harvest is is two different things, which I want to get into that. Sure. But what is the story and what is the brand? And what is the company that is New Harvest Coffee? New Harvest Coffee is operated. It's a family run business by Rick Kleinfeld and um, his wife, Paula. They find it like what? 2000, I think. 2000. Yep. So we're going on 22 years now. Rick has been in the coffee scene in Providence since the early days of um, coffee exchange on Wickedon. I was going to say probably one of the founders. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely one of the founders, but as the coffee scene in general in Providence, he is on the Mount Rushmore. He has to be yeah. of the, of the coffee he, scene he, in Providence. He better be. <laughs> yeah. And, and if he's not, then, you know, show me the person that's saying, yeah, no, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll talk to him. He's just, I, I can't speak highly enough to who the boss, who the type of boss he is. And the, I can't even call him boss because it's, whether it's profit sharing, whether it's, you know, um, whether, it, you know, joint meetings, you know, where like everyone has a voice, whether it's, um, a competitive wage, whether it's, you know, working with the community, um, doing farmer's markets, everything. I mean, the man, he's sweeping if he's not roasting coffee, if he's not, you know, I was going to say, even like the way they they pay the growers, they pay them like, what is it? 20% over like what the fair trade amount is. Like they pay even more and like just to make sure like people are taken care of. Yeah. We call it, um, um, source direct program. Source direct program. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it's above fair trade uh, prices, source direct, and we have multiple direct relationships with coffee farmers in Central America, Africa, South um, America, South America yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so New Harvest Coffee started in 2000. Uh, he just he kind of started working at farmers markets. I mean, you know, and he eventually got a brick and mortar at the. Um, was it? it wasn't the whole parties to no, begin Ru- with. Was it Rumford? I yeah, think it was, it was like, a, Rumford. It was like a shed or something. Yeah, it was like exactly. tiny. Like almost like, you know, working like Apple in a garage, right? You know, everything has to start from small means, which is beautiful. Um, and it does a lot for the community of Providence, too, like besides just absolutely. the growers and everything mm-hmm. else. So he eventually moved to the Hope Artiste building, which was like his biggest move that he, you know, it was like a brand new building in Pawtucket off Main Street. And just to, to keep this in perspective, mm-hmm. just because I just to, again, play set. Yeah. When you say move, the roaster, not the cafe aspect. Like the roaster, as far as roasting coffee and then yeah. making it for distribution wherever mm-hmm. it's going to end up, right? Yeah, so let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, New Harvest Coffee is is primarily a a um, a wholesale coffee company. When you, you get so many places in Rhode Island, there's exactly. a lot of... Right? Hence that Mount Rushmore thing, because Coffee Exchange, another OG roaster, mm-hmm. but Coffee Exchange... Not to knock them, they're kind of like their own cafe and their own thing, which is fine. But and that's New not Har- knocking them at all. Yeah, and, but New Harvest is like, I can go to the local Whole Foods mm-hmm. and, and like a, or a bunch of Whole Foods in the state of Rhode Island, and even in Mass. And when you'll I was see working our in part, Mass, you'll see our pack. And I've and I've seen yeah. bags of your coffee. I've seen it in restaurants. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in the, like like it's. I've been I've where been, it is. I've you know, other cafes serve it yeah. exclusively sometimes. I've been dining at a restaurant, you know, and I, you know, I always try to order an espresso after dinner, whether it's with a fernet or some sort of aperitif. And I'll be like, you know, this, this coffee is delicious. And not, not even just being like, mainly trying to be like, oh, you should consider New Harvest, you know, if you, and I'm like, where, who do you get your coffee from? And they're like, oh, New Harvest Coffee. Do you know it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you saved me a sales pitch, you know, yeah. like it's, 
you know, we're, we're everywhere, especially in Rhode Island, Massachusetts. I mean, it, it's hard and it's a beautiful thing. So going back, we're a wholesaler at heart. We didn't open up our flagship cafe until, God, so that was seven years ago. Uh, I'd say 20, it was like 2014. So, all right. Well, pause there for a second just because, so you're doing the Paris Lotto thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm driven. I want to like run the bar. Yeah. I know the bar scene's changing, da, da, da. They say no. New Harvest, not say at the same time, but New Harvest is now, I won't say it is, ne- is now, but like from 2000 moving forward, it's a wholesale roaster. Um, their leader is now one of the OGs of coffee culture mm-hmm. in Providence. For those that don't know or who are listening from outside the state of Rhode Island, Providence is a very coffee city where it's, it funny, it's funny that you worked at a Starbucks um, because if you're in Providence, you actually have to like, and this is going to sound crazy being a New England area town, but I always feel like Providence in like Rhode Island's like New England and not New England. I, could, I couldn't agree more. Like it's it's yeah. both it's it, it is and it isn't. It's, it's a it's transplant weird. city, but yeah. at the same time, it's 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 locals. Yeah, to like, it's you know. it's it's New England and not New England. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because if you're in Providence, you actually have to seek out and search for a Dunkin' Donuts and or a Starbucks. It's actually easier to find a local cafe. Mm-hmm. So you have this. Providence, yes. Yeah, yeah. Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Rhode yeah. Island, no. Providence, yes. Yeah. Um, but as far as the Providence coffee scene, I think Rhode Island coffee in general, like New Harvest is a, is a, made, it's a known player. Mm-hmm. It's a big player. Um, it is now. Probably was even then in the sense of like how many roasters were there really based out of Rhode Island that were local. And right, then, you know, the, and like now that you can get in the supermarket, mm-hmm. go to restaurants. You know, if you're in Rhode Island, if you're in Providence, you know the name New Harvest. The name carries weight, and probably beyond, like within Massachusetts and other parts of the world, right? Depending on how far the distribution is. So you have there's that brand. You come out of, out of uh, Paris Salado and being told no. How did you hook up with the New Harvest people? Sure. First off, yeah. And then I want to ask the question about where we're going to really get into, which is like the adaptive and convergence of some very interesting ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So my buddy, Corey Straffolino, um, worked for the company before they had this idea of opening up a cafe. I, I forget the year. I want to say it was like 2012, 2013. Um, so I'm working at Parasolato and he, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, you know, I work for New Harvest. He, at the time, he was working for the tech company that, you know, was kind of an offshoot of the company. Uh, quick, uh, quick side, New Harvest is the trunk of the tree, has many branches Northeastern is a branch of its tree that is a tech company that fixes espresso machines, grinders, what have you. It's a mobile fleet of techies. Another branch is Coffee and Spirits, which is our cafe, our flagship, what I run. Another branch is the education side. Uh, Jason and I happen to be sitting in the uh, training lab at New Harvest Coffee and Spirits. Um, We've always had a training aspect to if you basically if you subscribe to our our content or like our program, you know, say your new cafe opening up whatever. Not only do you get our coffee, you get our mobile fleet of tech crew, you get our education department. So you're getting a full on package. You know, you're signing on the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So those it's, are the branches. It's, it's, um, it's like when I used to work for Dell, they were trying to be end to end in the data center. Yeah. If you sign with new harvest, it's not just, here's our coffee wholesale. It's end to end coffee servicing. So you, That's interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. So you're dealing with one player. Uh, different LLCs, but, you know, same trunk of the tree. But one player, and they can service you from end to end. Exactly. Okay. okay, gotcha. So he worked for that mobile fleet at the time, and he goes, hey, you know, Rick, um, he's interested in opening up a cafe in downtown. 
um, in the arcade. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's been closed for a while, but and, it, um, it just kind of reopened. And Quick but necessary aside, yeah. how would you describe the arcade? Because it was the first shopping mall. We had yeah. the first tavern in America. Yeah. We had the first shopping mall in America. You're welcome, yeah. America. So, like Rhode Island. <laughs> so bringing it full circle, right? Rhode Island is full of historic things. Hence, uh, you know, that was, it was a big impetus with my love of history. Uh, I just live, we both live in a very historic state. One, a state that not a lot of people know where it is. Uh, one of the 13th original, 13 originals. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what is it? Um, May 4th, Rhode Island Independence Day, which shares Star Wars Day. And the first first state to tell the British to go to yeah. go off. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure we burned a ship way before Sam Adams was doing anything. Regardless. It's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, Massachusetts, what'd you do? We we, uh, we threw some tea off a boat. What'd you do? We burned a ship and yeah, killed well, everyone. That, it's that's, like, that's cute. It's like, it's like... <laughs> It's like Jesus Christ, Rhode Island! Like, he's like, what? They start the show. We're gonna finish it. Yeah, we always a little bit too extra. We need we need a movie about that. Yeah, seriously, like it's like a comedy action movie. Right. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so sorry. so the arcade <laughs> the, the arcade is this. It's it's very old fashioned. You know, you can find arcades in numerous cities around America. Basically, it's this, it's this cement building or whatever open market basically that has you know. Everyone's built a little different, but the arcade downtown has, you know, entrances on both sides, open air when the, you know, doors are open, but like, you know, three floors of shops, they translate, they transform the two floors, the second and third into micro lofts for this, you know, kind of second resurgence or because it was closed for a lot resurgence. of years, it was closed yeah. for a number of years and number it was kind of getting years. dilapidated and then somebody went and bought in there's like exactly. micro lofts in the, the Second and third floors, and then the first floor was going to be new businesses. Yeah, and all, and especially with the impetus on all r- local Rhode Island businesses. Gotcha. Okay. So Rick heard this and was like, "All right, let me get New Harvest on the ground floor of this." And I've been meaning to, you know, we're growing as a coffee company. We're in numerous cafes around the state. We're in Whole Foods. You know, let's, you know, Seven Stars was probably our biggest buyer. They were they were carrying our coffee. Which was a, which was a, a small but notable bakery yeah. cafe chain in Rhode Island. Yeah, which had multiple locations. So we're like, so Rick was like, finally, all right, we should probably have our own spot. That, have you know, our own cafe. Cause, yeah. Cause I, and I think they were in Pawtucket at the time. They didn't mm-hmm. really, like, it was the roaster, but you like you, you could, could sit and have a coffee there, but it wasn't you a could, cafe. You could walk in and, and, and a roaster would begrudgingly stop what he was doing and help you and get right. a coffee. But it, but it was not the place to really <laughs> no, have no, not uh, at all. espresso. It wasn't like, a, yeah, yeah, like so, the right place. For so it. cut to New Harvest having this grand idea to open up a cafe. And Rick, thank God he did, was like, I kind of want it to be a bar too. So that's interesting. Was that was that his idea from the jump? Because that's even, even now with all these different changes, like that's either you're a cafe or a bar, but yeah. you're not both. Like, and, and I, I was thinking... Even now, it's kind of like like it's getting more. It's getting, I think, be more of a thing. But mm-hmm. back in that time, was that just like oh, like? Did you ever get to find out where you got that idea from? Was it just like I want it to be a bar? And then also, it was a very specific type of bar, which I have some <laughs> yeah. questions about too. Well, so all right, I think he he just had the idea that it should be a bar as well. He didn't okay. know what what direction it would be in, and he wanted Corey to kind of Corey had a background in restaurants, and uh, he kind of just said. Let's make it a bar. Talk with you know whoever your workers are and, and let, figure out what type of bar it is. It's going to be. Uh, so Corey, you know, hired an initial staff, which he basically said, "Right, you know, he knew me from the." I, so Corey worked in Starbucks back in the day. That's right. how I I know that I knew that connection long before. So he goes, "Right, I mean, how would you feel about working? I know you're at Paris a lot right now. How would you feel about working at a cafe 
that doubles as a bar. And, and the and fact that you're probably one of the few, uh, and maybe maybe it's not so rare, but like at least to me, it's like you're one of the few people that's done both. Yeah, and that, and that's what we look for, you know, in the hiring process going moving forward. But you know, back then it was just like, yeah, he's a no brainer. Let I me feel ask. Like that's, him. Not, that's not that's not even the norm now. Like, how many people have done both, like barista and bartender? You know, it's 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 they're very similar. If he, it's almost to the point where you know, my buddy. My buddy Vito, who owns um, Lucky Enough, uh, we talk about this. He's like, I'll go a competent barista that's moving fast and knows what he's doing on the on the, the espresso bar can translate into bartending very easily. So you can you can actually go to local cafes and if you're a bartender looking or a bar manager looking for you know capable workers, go to your local cafe in, in the in town and and poach out the one that's moving can take multiple orders at once, move well in a, in a confined space and know exactly what's going on and push beverages out. So really that's like, like the, the translation works both ways. Like oh, can, a, can a cafe owner go to a, go to like a, like a cocktail bar yeah. or like a, or like just any bar and be like, Oh, that person's moving their ass. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be fine in the cafe. You know, you know, steps of, you know, steps of service as far as ingredient building, you know what okay. I mean? Like it's, whether it's timing on the espresso machine, whether it's pumps of syrup, whether it's what type of milk you're steaming, how you're steaming You know it. ratios. You know ratios as far as measuring, di- okay. dialing espresso machines in. I mean, that's huge for, um, that's huge translation into bartending. Uh, but you were going back to your question. I mean, he, he, he approached me and was like, Rick wants to open up a cafe and a bar. Would you be interested in working? I'm like, yeah, man. Like I, I at that point I'd been off coffee for about a year and a half. You know, kind of missing. I kind of missed a, a spot where I could go for a free cup of coffee, to be honest. You know, I was like, I was paying for coffee too long in my life. So I'm like, yeah, you know, if, if they're paying right, if it's, if I can bartend and be a barista, yeah, no brainer. I'm on, I'm on board. So then I find out they want to translate into like a whiskey bar. We want to be a whiskey forward cafe. I was going to say, like, did, did it, like, you're like, hell yeah. And I can see why, because like, you're one of the people that mm-hmm. like, at the time, maybe like, I mean, I think it's it's interesting that like the, the things are adaptable, but you're one of the people that, Oh, you've, you've worked in both. Did any of that sound weird to you? Like, like just out of like, Oh, like, what is this guy doing? Like, I, like, cause it's like, Oh, it's, it's going to be a cafe and a bar. We're going to serve coffee and whiskey. Is there going to be like some weird timings? Like, are we going to open as like close to the thing and open as a thing? Like, did you have any weird like questions like that? Or like, I think it was the complete opposite. Oh, you're just, you're just like, this is, this I, sounds amazing. Like, let's go. To be honest, the moment I heard of it, I'm like, why hasn't anyone? You're just like, why? Like, why, like, why don't we see this? Why isn't Dunkin' Donuts like, selling? Yeah. Like, why isn't fucking, you know. Didn't, I think Starbucks started selling IPAs did, and stuff. Well, right? they, they did. It was only recently. It, wasn't you, it was like in Seattle, ago. too. It was like at their, you know, whatever. Flagship Pike, thing. Pike's Place, whatever, yeah. market. And now, after Coffee and Spirits has done its thing, you're seeing bars open up with a coffee bar program, you know, throughout. I don't want to say we started it. I don't want to say like, but when we opened up in Providence, no one else was doing. No, no one else, else was doing. doing it. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I would say even now, like I've been to a couple of places, like about it, even like just take like the landscape of America. Yeah, it's probably not like a norm thing even now. Right, and it's it, to me it was a no brainer. Right, I, I wasn't asking questions like. To me, why? I just you're, you're I, just like why I, I want, why not like and why I, is and this I wanted a thing? to be involved as quickly as possible. Okay. I really did because I I knew there were so many things that we could work on as and, crew. And was there know? a reason like, like whiskey, like, Hey, whiskey is going to be the thing. Was it more like, Hey, whiskey will wear, pair well with coffee. Or was it just like the owner of new harvest, like yeah. whiskey? He loves whiskey. That's, okay. that's part of it. Um, I think whiskey is, whiskey has a, a direct relationship with coffee as far as, you know, the 
perfect thing that it to note was Irish coffees, you know, that that's like the no brainer, but there's so much as far as the, I think he wanted to mirror the vision or the, the, um, the process in kind of how, how coffee is cultivated and how whiskey is cultivated and just the journey of both, which is a, a very, you know, we can probably have a complete separate podcast about how do a whole podcast series about that. Absolutely. You know, it's nuts. Cause it's it, the, whether it's down to like the coffee farmer and hey, head of new harvest there, there's a podcast idea you could do out of here. Cause yeah. we're not, we're not proving that you could do a podcast out of this room. Oh, so, absolutely. You, so, you know, just get baristas and whiskey people yeah. on and make your own series. Just, um, Ryan, you know, if you get any credit for that, just give me like a 2% cut. It's all that. Let it be on record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, I mean, the, the journey of both is, is fascinating. And I think there wasn't, there wasn't too many whiskey forward bars in Providence at the time. You know, there, there was definitely a, a, a bunch out there. Um, but what we wanted to separate ourselves was we knew we, we had a coffee following and people would come to us as a cafe because, you know, that's, what we're the New Harvest brand had, had, a, had a name and had an established Exactly. We, we had a brand, but we also now want to bring in spirits, and we want to do it in a way that it was not not necessarily boutique, but different. You know, we wanted to show that we had knowledge on the coffee side and knowledge on the spirit side. So then that came the impetus or the, the creation of coffee and spirits. You know, correlating both worlds of, you know, the birth of coffee, the birth of spirits, how it got there and how we can talk about both from a customer or from a, you know, provider to a customer standpoint. And, and do it in a way that's, that's interesting. And cause even I remember going in there and like, and at some point you, you guys served pizza too, which was, which was, yeah. which was funny. Um, and yeah. pizza was pretty damn good. Uh, but I just remember going there and like that blew my mind. And I'm, yeah, I remember like, like back when I was working in tech, like I'd come and sit at the, I think mm-hmm. there's a number of nights you were there. Like yeah. I'd sit at the bar with my laptop, do my presentations and Absolutely. get a nitro and spike it with some Irish whiskey. Yeah. And be like, this is great. Um, but then you also had, and, and maybe this was planting the seeds for this new spot, uh, or maybe, or actually answer me this question. Was this because uh, New Harvest was a multi-headed beast that, not only like, hey, we're going to focus on spirits, tell that story, and really focus on whiskey and tell that story, but then doing like whiskey tastings where things are really in depth. Was that was that a plan from the get go as well, or is that did that come from because New Harvest was like end to end? So it's like let's be end to end with our cafe as well, or that that came from a lot of our own doing as far oh, okay. as us, you know, those that worked at Coffee and Spirits. Uh, before me was the the bar manager was uh, named Ben Terry. I mean, I can't say enough from not only Rick, I've learned a great deal from, but I learned my bar education was twofold, turn and burn and fast paced bartending and really understanding the culture of bartending was from Paris Salado, really becoming a cocktail bartender and a craft bartender. I learned from Ben, okay. um, who was just, you know, he's well known throughout right now. He leads the tasting room at Proclamation, um, but he's he's done multiple projects in in the bar scene. Uh, for many years. And he was the bar manager at Coffee and Spirits um, after Corey stepped down. We were both working there at the time. He got promoted. I'm totally fine with that. I wasn't even trying to, you know, be that person at the time. I ne- didn't know nearly as much. He's a wealth of knowledge. He knew, I mean, we had 130 whiskeys on the wall. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, your whiskey, yeah. it, it was for it a small space. Like, hey, it was here's impressive. 20. It was like, yeah. here's over 130 whiskeys. Yeah. And for anybody to know, like, 
I go to certain bars and like I don't get mad when like mm-hmm. somebody doesn't know certain spirits. I'm like, like there's so much on the bar. The fact sure. that like just and you had other spirits too, 130 whiskeys. Yeah. It's like holy crap. And he crap. had ta- he had talking points on all of them. And yeah. I know he 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 did a lot of recipes for the the, the syrups that we made in house. He did a lot of recipes for you know whether it was the frozen drinks we were making in the in the the frozen drink machine. Um, he I learned an incredible great deal from him. You know it, whether it's making an old fashioned a Manhattan, what goes into a Manhattan, you know, how to stir, when to shake, you know, what do you want your drink citrusy or do you want your drink more classic and stirred? I can't, I, you know, I, I owe a lot to that guy. I think what unfortunately, so a lot of that was stuff we built, he built. Um, and unfortunately where we were, we weren't a part of the beast yet. We weren't a part of that trunk of new harvest that, you know, honestly at the arcade. That was going to be my next question. Like, like how much, like that's probably a good thing that like they they kind of let you do your own thing, but then, yeah. At the same time, if mm-hmm. if if like you're not, if they don't have if the if the bigger company doesn't have that kind of control, then it's like right. you don't get necessarily like all the benefits of. It's a it's a weird like balancing act. I I can only say this, I've worked for a bigger company in yep. the tech space, but it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you got all this control, you're on your own, you could do like some wild shit, great, but then, the other side of that, and I just want to ask that question: was the other side that like, New Harvest because you weren't fully integrated into the beast yet, New Harvest didn't like how to like, like utilize it to its full potential, I guess is exactly. my question. Um, yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I, I said it a lot, you know, we were kind of, it's probably not PC for me to say, but the redheaded stepchild of, of the business for a while, you know, we were open, we were at the arcade for six years and I'd say in six years, we weren't the most profitable, you know, at all. If anything, we we're just kind of breaking even, we were doing a lot of things that we were kind of just learning. You know, we were very new as a company to opening a bar. You know, we just thought, hey, we have this great coffee program, but let's open up a bar too. And a brand you new know. revitalized space that had been dormant for exactly, years. Exactly, And yeah. then everything in there, foot traffic-wise, is all other brand mm-hmm. new spaces that haven't done anything. Like, and, in the sense of, like, having the, like... I think you probably had the most brand recognition of any of anybody in that absolutely, entire space because absolutely. because it was New Harvest. But if it was just a, any other bar, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have. And we had, you know... It, the arcade, it was such a beautiful space. It had its limitations. You know, the, the hallway doors, the main entrances closed at 8 p.m. Yeah, you had to go around of, to the parking lot, had get to your weird, spot. We called it Poop Alley because, you know, homeless people would just, you know, take shits in the alley. And it was just like, you know, whether you might have, you might have to pass a guy shooting up, but, you know, here's our speakeasy entrance because it's cool to say. And you did like, have, I think it helped when you had the New Harvest, like the giant, like paint oh, right. like, the side of the building, yeah. like the vent. But like before that, yeah, you had no idea. Like, but wait, even then, the yeah, it's just, so you really had to know where we were and it, it, it unfortunately kind of handicapped us in a lot of different ways. It sounds cool, but from a money-making perspective, it's like. It just wasn't doing it. Um, and, you know, it, flash forward to where we are now, I mean, it's, it's. That's why we were so excited for this project, and you know, it's a totally different ball game now. I mean, we're even like I, I don't have 130 whiskeys on the wall anymore. Yeah, like I, I learned so much from what worked and what didn't. And then when the pandemic hit, two years later, I mean, we, we were doing nothing for two years. All I had was time to think, and I'm like, I know I'm so you know, we, I got this new project right. And I'm like, all right, how can I make this better? And that's all I did. I sat and thought. So, so you're so you're working at New Harvest, doing this, doing this. You know, made sense to you, mm-hmm. right? But I think you were talking about how, like, your dad, your dad, even now, like, is like, wait, are you a cafe, a bar? And it's right. like, we're both. And it's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, can you 
just explain at that time because it made sense to you because you worked in both. Like, why mm-hmm. aren't we? And, you know, and, and like we're we have the the benefit of hindsight. Were how were people like customers receptive, or like did they not understand it at the time, or did it take a while for it be like, oh, we have coffee, but we're also a bar. Like, did it weird people out like they're getting their nine a.m. coffee or something, and then they see like, a bunch of whiskey on the wall? Like, what the hell is this? It weirded a lot of people out more than we thought it would. Oh, right. Know, right. Like so, it, so you thought it was gonna be, like so? Did everybody think it was like, oh, people are gonna love this like we do, and then they're like, yeah. what the hell is this? Exactly. It, I think it weirded a lot of the coffee scene people out. You know, the, everyone that wants to get a morning cup of coffee. I mean, I don't know how many times we heard the joke from the the suit downtown that was like, "Oh, and throw something else in there." because yeah, <laughs> like, you're also near like the where you were situated downtown. You were near like the financial yeah. district area, like the office workers that were downtown. Like you guys were, people were probably getting their daily coffee from right. you guys because and this work. and this was before you know beverages to go were a thing, which is yeah. a new kind of legislation in Rhode Island because of the pandemic. And by beverages, we mean alcoholic beverages. alcoholic beverages. Yes. Um, so at the time, you couldn't take anything to go, but. People always joke, you know, it was the running joke to be like, yeah, well, like, you know, throw something else in there. And they'd yeah. be like, we'll be like, oh, all right. Like, oh, no, no, I'm, not, I'm going back to work. And you're like, like dude, we don't care. Like, we don't care. Wanted. But, and it's also like, that's what we're trying to be. Like, we're, we're combining the beautiful worlds of spirits in the journey of both spirits and coffee. And we're not saying that you have to have them both at the same time. You can have one or the other, or you can combine the two. It's just like, hey, there's like, yeah. there's some similarities here yeah. that 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 can like they can work together and they can make a, a new type of experience. Right. In the early stages that we had this design, it was a Venn diagram, right? There was like coffee, spirits, and then the middle. I remember that co- old logo, yeah. Coffee and spirits. It's kind of you know it's outdated, and but that was like that was our general idea. That's what we wanted to, you know, promote. Um, but yeah, people like my father, they they need. And maybe that's an older way of thinking. I think a younger crowd, we're in year, God, we're in year eight now. You know, we people are understanding. But at that time when it premiered in Providence, like, was it, like, were there certain crowds that were, like, turned off by and certain crowds that were just, like, well, well, Absolutely. How, much, how much educate, like, did you have to educate people on, like, what, hey, what, this is what this it is? It definitely, the, our first two, three years was tough. I mean, I'd say by year four, we were finally, people understood where we were. We're, we were also one of the later cafes open. You know, we you couldn't find a cafe open in Providence past like six p.m. Past six, we were up until 10, 11. You know what I mean? You could get a coffee at, at post work. Yeah, and then have a whiskey or a beer. Yeah, like it was a beautiful thing. So people, we were huge for the um, the universities. I mean, we had a huge RISD following, Brown following, Jaywoo. Um, all we had a great business turn. See, yeah, you had a lot of colleges with, yeah. with like satellite places down there. So that was probably mm-hmm. you know we had a great business from the suits. You know, um, during the day. And, uh, yeah, it just, but it was tough. People didn't really get what we were. And, and that's a lot of it's on us, you know, a lot, we weren't this time around, we're definitely thinking about how we can promote this business a little differently. You know, we're, we're definitely putting the, the pressure on, all right, no new harvest coffee and spirits is our flagship location. It's our most public facing location. Whereas before it was like this offshoot. It was thing. this offshoot thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was, it was an experiment. Yeah. in. An experiment that that did well enough that it should be a thing. Gotcha. You know, to the point where, like, I don't know, down the road, the bigger, like, if we can add coffee and spirits to the plug and play system of New Harvest Coffee, you know, say someone else wants to do exactly what we're doing, and we can franchise it. Oh, you can, can do end to end, right? Okay. Say like, all right, you want it? You want to have a bar too? All right. So you're going to need to talk to Ryan. He's going to set you up with a bar program, a cocktail menu, a, you know, something that's basically a plug and play cafe and bar. We're going to service your machines. We're going to teach you the education side, whether it's from Britta, the coffee side, or Ryan, the bar side. 
and you can kind of get a whole package. So that's, that's, or certain things like the airport where like TF Green was on, on the verge of creating this and they might still happen, but this project was scrapped a little bit. They wanted to basically make TF Green a, a more like local business run airport, you know, so like right. they wanted to kick Starbucks out of there and basically put coffee and spirits right at the bottom floor. I mean, coffee and spirits would kill it in an airport. Yeah. I mean, it, it literally is an airport. I would rather get that than Starbucks any any day of the week. And it's a bar cafe. I mean, how 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 would that not do well in an airport? You right. know what I mean? Wi-Fi, computers, co- coffee, or a fucking scotch at 9 a.m. because you just got off a red eye. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just it makes total sense. Those things, unfortunately, the, the worldwide pandemic and, and every what everyone's going through hit us just like everyone else did. You know, it... it it basically forced our hand to be like, all right, we know our limitations at the arcade. We know what we're doing wrong. We know what, you know, we can do better on. Do we fight through it or do we just close and, and start something new? Before we get into that, did, um, at the time when, you know, cause you just said it's an experiment that worked well enough that it should be a thing mm-hmm. at the, at the time, did you and the other people working there realizing that you, like, because you were like, oh, this makes sense to me, but, like, that you were doing something kind of, like, I won't say groundbreaking, but something new that, like, just wasn't the norm, and, like, how, how was your reaction to that? And also, how was the owner of New Harvest, like, how was his reaction to it? That, like, oh, we're doing this new thing. This is new territory. Like, like what were the reactions on both ends from, like, the quote-unquote corporate owner side mm-hmm. of New Harvest brand? And then from the people working on the ground level of like, did anybody realize like, oh, we're kind of like breaking new ground here. Like we're in like uncharted territory. And how did that feel? I think sort of they did and they didn't. I mean, as far as the workers were concerned, I mean, I think I did. I can't speak for everyone else. I think uh, Ben knew that there was something there, but like it was a hard time. Oftentimes we felt like we were spinning our wheels a little bit and not getting the support from, you know, the owner. Um it was just a different, it was out of sight, out of mind, kind of just downtown. I mean, he was doing his it, insanely busy in Pawtucket and doing his own thing. And uh, it was just hard to kind of connect, especially when the money wasn't coming in the way it should have been. I mean, like I said, we were a new business and we were spending in a way that we probably shouldn't have been spending, you know, so there was a lot of things we had to learn. So I think from his standpoint, he always loved the idea, you know, and, and wanted it to, to succeed, but we were limited by, you know, with the space we were in and and what what we were trying to do at the time. So the pandemic hits. Was that the catalyst for, or were there other things going on? Was this already in the books, as, or, or I'm sorry, already um, like in the cards, so to speak, as far as, because at the time, New Harvest had its roaster area in Pawtucket, mm-hmm. one location, right? It had the, um, you know, Coffee and Spirits, which wasn't considered a flagship at the time, as you said, in the downtown Arcadian province. COVID hits. Was that the main catalyst of, like, here's an opportunity to rethink everything? Or was the CEO thinking at the time, like, oh, I should just have everything in one mm-hmm. building? Was, like, was that, like, hey, I should have everything in one building, but, like, we don't have the space yet? And then, like, was it a convergence of things? Because I think that's interesting too, like yeah. that adaptability of like, because now we're in an area where it's like, oh, Roaster literally connected to the bar slash cafe. That makes so much sense. But it's like, yeah, that seems on paper like a no brainer, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering like how it got to that point. Yeah. We were, after year six, we were kind of getting 
to our limit with the space we were in at the arcade as far as just we knew we needed something different. We didn't think we could do two locations. It was either move out of there or honestly scrap the project, you know, like scrap the experiment, make it, make it just a cafe somewhere else. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like this project was always in mind as far as just being a roastery, you know, like farm fresh had had contacted him before he knew of this project before it was happening, like before the, the pandemic hit. You know, so it was always, all right, we're going to move out of the Hope Street, Hope uh, Hope Artiste building, move our roastery here, and then look for a different location for Coffee and Spirits. Pandemic hit, or or rather, look for a different location or stay where we are in the arcade. No matter what, Farm Fresh was going to be our roastery. We either keep Coffee and Spirits at the arcade, try to make it work, or look for a different location and just make it a cafe. Um, pandemic hit, we didn't want to, like... There was like the restrictions about, you know, having, it could only be 50% capacity. You could be open, but you know, our capacity in there was like 35 people. So we didn't want to like limit us to an even down, and we couldn't have bar seating. So it just, it didn't work as far as, you know, no one was opening up a cafe. As far as a coffee business is concerned, you know, handing out coffee via just, we didn't want to do the whole window service thing, whatever. So we just stopped what we, you kind of just made an executive decision, all right, we're going to close down. Um, unfortunately we had to, you know, lay off our employees, which is a total bummer, you know, like it, we didn't, we had a small staff, but you know, you never want to just tell someone that they don't have a job anymore. That, I mean, that's, I think we were on the lower end of that by all intents and purposes. And so many people had to lay off people on a massive scale. Um, but that being said, I mean, luckily a lot of people held on and, and I, I have some of those workers today too. You know, so they got their jobs back. Um, you know, they held out hoping that, you know, here they are. And that's huge. I, I can't thank them enough for sticking around. But, um, yeah, so this job, um, this building opened up. And, and briefly know. describe the Farm Fresh building and, and Eric's. I know you said it before, but just yeah. to kind of give people an idea. Because you're in this, like, marketplace in the middle of a downtown mm-hmm. area in, like, a kind of a tightly contained downtown-style area. And this is like a completely different animal that you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, so in, like in the space wise. In the middle of the valley in this like weird kind of you know, across the street we have Industrious Spirits Company, which is, you know, the first distillery since Prohibition in Providence. Um, in Rhode Island, I think for that matter. You've got Providence Brewing Company, which is named after the American like ale company. Another yeah. episode you should listen to with Efren Hidalgo. You can there talk you about beer. They yeah. bring it full circle. Everybody. Absolutely. And man. Industrious Spirits Company. I did an interview with uh, one of their CEOs. Yeah. So it's another episode you can go listen Absolutely. to. I'm getting getting the entire So the entire neighborhood you can have. follow kind of like this whole <laughs> you know, Valley Valley podcast experiment. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. So it's we got Revival Brewing and exactly. that's the whole thing. So, and then, you know, you got your, you know, Club Fantasies down the street, you know, it's just, which, it's is, a, which is a strip club yeah. at the end of the street. I always think it's funny that there's like, we have farmers markets and like people pushing strollers and then literally at the end of the street is a strip club. Absolutely. And it's, it's and like an of, industrial, like barren place. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, I mean, like it's, outside of this. it's part of the neighborhood. I, in any, anytime we like have an event or like there's, we have a community of like, you know, everyone gets on a podcast or like a, a zoom call and they're like, all right, what do we want to do for this block party? I'm like, has anyone talked to fantasies yet? Cause they're <laughs> a part of the neighborhood, you know, and they, I'm pretty sure a lot of people go in there that are probably can make some moves in Providence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> there might be some suits in there that, you know, have a say in certain government matters, if you know what I mean. Um, 
anyway, so Farm Fresh is this fucking awesome company that didn't always have a brick and mortar. They, you know, they they have this uh, uh, kind of online ordering service called Market Mobile that kind of really gears itself towards low-income families that can kind of set up a, a food delivery and pickup service for local farm fresh um, produce. You know, we're talking about farms from down in Little Compton to Tiverton to, you know, um, uh, Smithfield all the way to, you know, God, all over the state, you know, everywhere. They take f- produce from everywhere um, and basically bring it into this one distribution center. Um, so we're in this massive building with huge hallways that basically doesn't function as like a, you don't go there just to walk the hallways and, you know, it's not like a Faneuil Hall or anything like that. But there's, besides its distribution center, I mean, think of like a warehouse distribution center with huge kind of hallways and an open kind of, you know, market feel, but with also scattered like local businesses throughout. So there's us on the corner, Tallulah's Taqueria, which is, you know, a huge, you know, kind of Chicano Mexican, uh, Taqueria that has a following on Ive Street on the east side. They have a spot in Jamestown. You have Providence um, Brewing Company. You have the hot sauce. Yeah. Um, Red, Red's Hot Sauce. You have yep. um, Anchor Toffee. And then um, you got, I think, Wright's Dairy Farm. Is Wright's here? Dairy Farm has opened up a scoop shop. They're going to do ice cream. Um, they will sell their, their milk and their, their pastry items. Uh, you also have um, Robin Hollow, which is a great kind of florist based out in the South County area. Um, so a lot of just really awesome companies that are doing their thing. And it's a space that on the weekends is just ripe for markets. Farmers markets. So you're probably getting a lot more foot traffic than you ever did. Oh, at it's, the- it's, I mean, to say that our cafe business is, is doing leaps better than it did at the arcade is an understatement. I mean, we're, our margins are through the roof then, as far as, you know. And then you also got ISCO, yeah. which is in a separate physical facility on the right. same street. And then Revival is a separate physical facility. But like, um, and I've, I've actually done this before. You can spend an entire day and or night here Absolutely. depending on the time you come through. And that's what it was attractive to us as far as the bar scene. And that brings us back to our main point is that, all right, so we have this project going on at Farm Fresh. Let's just move coffee and spirits there. Like, let's. it's a huge space. You know, we don't need the entire space for the roastery. Let's cut out a small section of it. You know, our section is probably a little bit bigger than arcade space. Not, not so much. It's you know, about the same size from like the bar, like just the bar. That's standpoint. what I'm saying, the cafe standpoint. You know, but but we also have this great patio outside that we never had at the arcade. You know, we have parking, a huge ass parking lot. Whereas before you parking. had no parking. We had downtown. no parking downtown. And now you have this. Um, we're sitting in the coffee lab area, which yeah. is like your training. And like, you don't have to be a barista. Like, you can come down here and just learn latte art and everything. Which, like, I think you can maybe have done before, but now it's like it's separate from the bar area. Like, there's literally a separate physical door that like separates the exactly. two, and you could sit here and learn. And it's like coffee lab and like. Again, this is like a, it's like a multi-purpose, multi-use space. And what's, what's different and what makes our cafe different this time around is that you can look to your right through this giant bay window and see a roaster, a giant ass roaster. That, you see that, you know, and, and, and you yeah. can actually see the coffee being, you it's can't like, get any fresher than this. Literally, the coffee's being roasted 20 feet away from like, and where, still, where they're and serving still, it. And still we have those annoying questions. Customers come in and they're like, can I have a bag that's not been roasted three days ago? It's like. What, what do you want? Do you want to literally put your hands underneath the roaster? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So we can't do that. FDA, I, I, like, right? <laughs> like, I would say make a separate roaster and just give it to yeah. those people. And like, but charge like, a, they call it like the coffee class experience. Yeah. You charge like a thousand dollars. Yeah, charge a thousand dollars. You can put your that. hand. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah you, you can, you can literally sniff the coffee beans, do whatever you want. Yeah. We're going to charge you a thousand dollars. It's not going to be served to the general public. Like it's a sealed off area. Right. 
and just charge them like a ridiculous amount. So you look to the right, you see the roaster. You look to your left, we have this giant glass garage door that everyone, anytime you walk in, they're like, oh, what happens in there? And our, all of our cafe attendants are, are you know, know, knows what to, you know, they're basically like directed to newharvestcoffee.com. There's a, a list of classes on there. Uh, Britta Gustafson, she's our, our, our head educational department uh, teacher. And she, you know, we teach anything from, you know, seed to cup, which is like the the travel of where it comes from the coffee farm to your cup of coffee. Uh, we teach, you know, barista basics. She teaches a class, which I think is like one of the best ones out there is, is what you're fucking looking for at a grocery store when you walk up to a bag of coffee, you know, like what are the, what are the bullet points? What are the words on the bag and, and how should I, what am I looking for? You know what I mean? So just to the consumer, to the everyday coffee buyer, that's huge. You know, it's like, we're not educating you on just our coffee. We're trying to educate the co- the people to coffee in general, because oh, like you can get like good good grind, like you can get a good coffee grinder here, like like a good yeah, one that's or like chopping it up and like a good type of brewer. Or and what like kind of brewer do you have it. at home? Yeah. How, yeah. how do you want it ground? How do you want this ground? Yeah, how do you right. want this roasted? How how should you grind it yourself? And that's already translated, and we can't. That's that's translated so much. I, I can't even tell you how many people come into the cafe now. And, oh, do you need this ground? No, I have a grinder at home. It's like fantastic. Like that's yeah the amount of education that people have to coffee now is huge. And then, and, and you can see that directly in the consumer. So you look to your right, you have the roaster, you look to your left, you have the education department, and then you have this beautiful cafe that doubles as a bar, you know, and it's, it's got a patio. It's got plenty of parking. That's on a street. That's got street. It's got street, live you know, music. We have, we have markets on the weekends. I mean, it's just, it's, it was a no brainer decision that, you know, is we're we're about to hear hit year one, June 25th. And, um, <laughs> that we, Jason just looked behind him because we just got mood lighting for the bar, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's not that we transition to a bar at a certain time, you know, the moment we open, you know, we're, we can serve you a cocktail, you know, it's like, there's no, there's a weird it's, gray it's, area. It's of like, five o'clock like, somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. I love that meme that it's like, uh, Oh, 4 a.m. in Sydney time. You know, it's like, it's someone doing something crazy because people are insane at cafes in Sydney, Australia. It's, um, yeah. So it's, it, from the arcade to here, I mean, the arcade was just, I don't want to boil it all down to an experiment. That's not necessarily, we were really trying to make it work there. We were, but just being here now, it's just, it's night and day. I think I'm going to retitle this. I had a title in mind for the episode. I think I'm going to make the new title of the episode as we're having this conversation. Cause I think it, this is why I like doing this because I, I think it's going to go one way and I think the guest is going to go one yeah. way and it goes a different way. I think we're going to, I'm going to retitle it. I had a title in mind in my head, but I think I'm going to retitle it from experiment to flagship. There it is. Cause I really think that that's like the story we're telling right yeah. now. Um, cause, and like sometimes that, like when that works though, it's like you said it, when it fires on all cylinders mm-hmm. and it makes perfect sense, but then somebody on the outside looking in, it's like, Oh, this makes perfect. Like you said, like coffee, whiskey bar, why like why are we not there right now no but, but but then you had to educate other people yeah. and, and do certain things and um so here it leads to my next question so do you think that you know this thing was an, ex- an experiment at its time and it's become the flagship it's become the the you know the norm right do you think that that's going to be how should i put this do you think that that this thing that was an experiment that became the norm, this idea of like coffee, whiskey bar, which even like you, like you said, your dad still doesn't understand it, but like some people may still don't get it. Um, do you think in the future, like now it's going to become the norm or almost, almost become like the, not even a nice to have, like you're going to have to do that. Like no matter what, whether it's like your, 
doing a retail business, like you're gonna have to do more than one thing or be more than one thing. So I'm, I even like talk with other creators and entrepreneurs where it's like you gotta be able to to wear multiple hats. Whether like you know, if you're working in tech, if you specialize in one thing and that goes the wayside, you're gonna be in trouble. If you're a creative, you have to you know maybe be multidisciplinary. Do you think that that's translating into spaces now where it's like hey, New Harvest, it's not just cafe, it's not just coffee, it's coffee and whiskey. Even New Harvest, the business, which I didn't realize, it's not just hey, we're a roaster. We're a roaster. We have our flagship cafe. We also do this N10 coffee business where if you want to, you know, serve our coffee, like we'll train your baristas up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'll give another example since we're on Sims Avenue. Like for me, this is just my personal opinion. I, you know, revive, like we're, we're near revival. I'll use this as an example. To me, I think the reason why revival is as great as it is, is that they serve beer. It's a damn good beer. They've, they started out as a brewery, but I think now it's, it's more about the experience at revival. Mm-hmm. Like you're going there, it can be, you know, on any given night, they can have comedy shows. They can have, it could feel like a nightclub because they have certain DJs that they're in there that are amazing. I've interviewed some of them, uh, Sega gen episode, Javon PVD episode. Got to keep plugging these other episodes. So oh, yeah. go listen. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's not just, it, they went from, Hey, it's, it's, we have this brewery to, Hey, we have this brewery in like a uh, food location. Then almost kind of similar par- parallels to, to new harvest, right? It was food, then food, then brewery, then COVID happens. Hey, we have this opportunity for a bigger and better space. Now we're, now it's an experiential thing. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing, you know, lost Valley pizza. Now sure. we're doing these nightclub nights and we have this backyard space where we can mm-hmm. do these other things. Um, and I feel like new harvest is the same way. First, first it was just the strictly the coffee business, then the coffee, whiskey bar, then things, you know, how COVID happens. Now it's we're in, you know, we got farmer's markets and like now like we can even, you know, it's not maybe not so much extensive on the whiskey, but now it's like it's a cocktail space and the coffee lab to teach people and the roaster and like this multi-headed thing that is a company. Do you think that that's going to become the norm rather than the exception, whether it's now or in like the next couple of years where like you're, you're going to have to focus on the experience and not just doing this one thing like, Hey, we're just a coffee shop. Yeah. But what's the experience like at your coffee shop? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, I think, Look, I'm no business major. <laughs> I'm still learning a lot of this on the fly, um, but I love doing that. I think there's two words. There's accessibility and adaptability um, that are crucial here. I think the first one's accessibility. I mean, who's your target audience? And beyond that, beyond your you know your target audience, who are you going to hit? Just you know the passer. Who's your your ether audience? You know who's your your secondary audience? And beyond that, your third, your fourth. Um, the biggest challenge for me was I didn't realize how much social media was a part of you know any business. And now, if you're not doing a, if you don't have a social media game in, in whatever you're doing, and so I don't care if you're a cafe, I don't care if you're a bar, I don't care if you're a donut shop, or a I don't know an automotive's place. You know, if you don't have a, a social media game, then not a lot of people are, are realizing who you are and why you are. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's for me, I, I make it, I have a sticky note on my desk. Have you posted anything today? Yeah. That is just right in my face constantly. Cause I don't care what it is. If, if you're not, you know, I have, I have off weeks, you know, this week, for instance, I just tired and, you know, I just, I didn't put anything out, but like, you know, if, if you're not putting out anything, you know, every other day, then that's, you're not being accessible to the, to a crowd, to a city, 
that you don't, you might not know as your target audience, but that right. can bring other people in. Right. You know, for us on Sims Avenue in the Valley, I'm pushing and I, this time around, I really want to not only make our target, target audience a bar, you know, or a cafe crowd, but also just a neighborhood place that people can come to, you know what I mean? A neighborhood. Part you, of the neighborhood. Right. You feel like part of the neighborhood. Because we have, there's such a diverse neighborhood here in, in the Valley and North Providence and Onlyville that unfortunately, you know, has been kicked around for a long time, you know, and they deserve nice things too. I mean, that's what farm fresh is doing. You know, they're, they're trying to be accessible to as many people as possible. Right. That's what we want to be. And then adaptability is the second thing you've got to be able to, once you're accessing those people, you got to be able to adapt to what their needs are, to what they want. And that's, that's a learning curve for me. I mean, that's that, but that's part of the business as far as, what we talk about the flagship, you know, we're the front, we're the people facing part of the industry in, in our, in our trunk of the tree, right? The grocery doesn't deal with people like in our, in the way we do, you know, the education does to a degree, but we're seeing a volume of people that is constant. You know what I mean? Would you <clears throat> maybe add willingness to experiment or take chances yeah, to that? Absolutely. Because, like full disclosure, you know, the co- like the coffee and like whiskey or the coffee and bar thing, like that's becoming a little bit more of a norm. Like, you know, I'll, I'll mention another spot that serves like coffee and I want to say spirits, but beer, um, mm-hmm. Bolt, yeah. right? And Bolt's amazing. Right. But one thing I will say about here that's unique, um, and the only other time I saw it was in Las Vegas, which inspired me to do one of the other things I do, which is Double Shot Sunday, streaming show about coffee and music. Um, but I came to you. And full disclosure, like I've DJed here, and this is like, this is why another <laughs> yep. reason why we knew each other because I was going to the old location and yeah. just seeing you around. Just the fact that like a coffee cafe slash bar has live music, and it's not just the. And I'm not hating on this because like, I have a friend, Dave Alves, episode one. Go check that out. There you go. Um, who does like the singer songwriter like acoustic sure. thing? But, like I think that's like when people think of like music in a coffee shop there's that stereotype in their head and like you guys have that we have full bands you have me djing yeah. like that's not a norm so like the fact I had, that I had you a were, five piece jazz set the other yeah like, just like, like the willingness to, to to experiment would you add that because i don't think every you know every business sometimes wants to do that but it's like unless you want to do that then you may not and that, find the thing that can make you even more money than what you did before coming full circle mm-hmm. going back to Paro salado like Unfortunately, I don't think Paris Salado would, you know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, would ever like have a DJ on a certain night because for whatever, maybe there's legal reasons, like mm-hmm. or ordinance sure, reasons. Sure. But let's say that wasn't a factor because no, we, we've, you know, what we're doing and we're sticking with and da, da, da. Yeah. I mean, that I, I think experiment, like what we talked about before, Coffee and Spirits was an experiment. You yeah. Know, like, and now it, it's a, a successful experiment that we're translating into a flagship location and, and adaptability is huge. You got to be able to look, you got to swing and miss sometimes to hit a home run you know you gotta gotta get your at bats right you gotta get what wayne gretzky said i mean there's that classic you miss all the shots you don't take you know it's with this experiment this time around i use experiment as like in this new kind of new like coffee coffee and spirits new with you know spelled in the nu with the you know double you know kind of take two part yeah i'm i'm swinging at everything i can you know because you got to have a multitude of, especially the cafes aren't, you know, we're not all like what the friends cafe. I forgot what it was called. I was, you know? was going to say like the, yeah. the, 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 the stereotype in, in the head, like everybody's yeah, that's, like, or that's everybody, gone, writing, or everybody writing their novel. Yeah, like that's that, that joke. That I mean, joke. sure. There's a place in the, in the world for, and I hope, I hope they never die. Honestly, I, I hope there's a world where every cafe could survive, but that's not the case.
what I mean? Like, Wayne Gretzky and Ryan Zins both said it best. You miss all the shots you don't take. New Harvest as a business was already successful, and they didn't necessarily need to open a coffee and spirits bar. However, its founders knew the potential behind their experiment, and so did Ryan. The general public? Not so much. We have the benefit of hindsight, but when New Harvest Coffee and Spirits opened, it took a lot of training, education, trial and error, and even a little bit of luck before it took off. Along the way, there were a multitude of reasons to stop the experiment. Reasons such as a lack of a parking lot, accessibility issues during the evening hours, oh, and a little thing called COVID. But instead, the experiment continued and is now the public face of a multifaceted coffee company. So experiment, take risks, take chances, shoot your shot. Best case scenario, you miss and you hopefully learn from the experience. Worst case scenario, you never take your shot and you live with regret. for Providence right now is that there's a very competitive coffee scene. I hope it I hope it continues to get more competitive. I mean whether you're talking about Nitro Bar, whether you're talking about Bolt, whether you're talking about us, whether you're talking about um coffee exchange, you know. Since we're on this tangent, like what yeah. what what is it like just if you want to go dive deeper, like what is your opinion on the coffee scene in Providence? How do you think it stands out? Because we were we were joke somewhat jokingly, but it's mm-hmm. true, like Maybe not the restaurant, but in Providence, like you have to try, like you have to actually go search out a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks, which in New England is any other city in New England is like almost like fucking unheard of. I, th- I and think Providence is very unique in that sense, and I think it speaks volume to, to Providence as a whole. As far as look, there's a reason why you know we're called the creative capital. You know, it's the name of the show. The, the name creative of the show. capital. Yeah, show. but it, we're also known as one of the the best food spots or beverage spots you can go to in the Northeast or the country. I mean, how many? How many top 10 lists have we been on as far as travel and leisure or, you know, time or food or, you know, everything? How many movie stars have dined here? How many food network stars right. have dined here? And, and every, every, chefs have been and here? everyone that says, everyone that visits Providence or we talk to at the cafe says the same thing. I was surprised by how like accessible, how beautiful, and just how diverse the entire city is. You know, as far as what do you want to eat? Yeah. I've, Na- I've taken, name a cuisine you want to eat. I've taken, find it. I've taken friends out, you know, from New York City and, like, from different cities, and they're surprised that, like, the food is affordable, but that's at the level it's I was like, oh, this, this, this night out for dinner right. would be, like, $400 where I'm from, or, like, or even the fact that, like, I can take friends out and go to, like, I can throw a rock and hit a good cafe mm-hmm. or hit a good cocktail bar. So we, what's huge for us right now is that, you know, we had, we had, we were surrounded by residences in downtown to a degree. Unfortunately, downtown charges an arm and a leg, almost like Boston prices, yeah. obscene prices. It's getting to that point, yeah. Where like their half the apartment buildings are empty. Yep. Here in the valley, we have the rubber, the rubber mill lofts, um, and, and a multiple, like a bunch of others right around us, um, that are just natural, just people need coffee, right? You know, they only had Dunkin' Donuts on the end, you know, over over by uh, the IOP down the down the road there. But every time that people come in, they're like, I'm so glad you're here. Or like, I haven't had coffee this good since like, you know, some people coming from San Francisco, other people coming from across the sea, like, you know, uh, uh, Great Britain or even Australia or even like Seattle or just the West Coast or, or Austin or, you know, New York City, Boston. You know, people say 
they recognize our efforts as far as and other efforts as far as the cafe or coffee scene here in Providence. And it's, it's huge. And does it surprise them when they're like, Oh, you guys also serve cocktails here? Oh yeah. Like, and like it's, equally it's, as good. Like and it's, that's, it's on par, you know? So, and here, I'll speak frankly here. Like I, I know, I know spirits in the bar scene way better than I do coffee. I've, I've worked in both for years. That's all I know. You I was going to say that's surprising since you were on CNN talking about the state of coffee and small. Look, I can talk about anything, businesses. man. You ask me to talk about a fly, I'll talk, I'll talk your ear off about anything I want. No, I, it's not It's not that I'm bullshitting. I know both. I'm more comfortable talking about spirits. Like, that's just my wheelhouse. You know, that's that's a strike down the plate and I'll hit it out of the park. But as far as coffee is concerned, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning too. You know, I, I'm, I'm not as fine-tuned as like a... You know, I can't dial in an espresso machine better than the, you know, the next person. But I know, I know the passion. I know about where coffee's coming from and, and what the farmers put into it. I know cost. I know like what it takes to run a, ca- a cafe. I know about ordering. I know things like getting back ordered or like you know the, beyond the, the trials the, and the tribulations. Experience of right. the drink itself. Exactly. And as far as management's concerned, like that's I know how to manage people. I know you know how how a cafe should run, but. So when people walk in, they're like, oh, you have a bar here. I'd love to hear it because I'm like, yeah, we, we function at, oh, you're open until 10 p.m.? Yeah, well, actually, we're a full bar. We're, you know, like I can I can talk to you about spirits. I can talk to you about cocktails. I can talk to you about beer. I can talk to you about so many other things that, you know, and I try to educate my staff so that no matter who they talk to, you're getting the same answers across the board. I mean, so Britta. Consistency. Yeah, Britta, Britta teaches cafe, you know, coffee for classes. I've done spirit tastings before, but this time, I mean, so we're going into phase two of coffee and spirits, right? After June, June 25th, it's our year anniversary. Phase two, I really want to enter, like, I, I want to get both of us involved. You know, so our new, you know, our new single origin coffee coming out is going to be from Mexico. Um, it's like, it's going to be a limited run, and I really want to pair it with a mezcal tasting or like an agave tasting. We where Britta talks about the tr- the travel of our Mexican bean from Mexico to our our cup of coffee, and I tra- talk about the the travel from the agave farm to your your glass or your margarita, you know, like c- bringing coffee and spirits together and really honing in on what we do as you know now, as a cafe. Now you said the coffee scene was competitive, but it seems like a good competitive. It's it's like like I don't hear like at least mm-hmm. you know maybe you know more than I do, which yeah. you probably do, but like I don't hear trash talking between cafes no. or roasters or anything like that. The, it, um, it does exist. The public the public might not hear it, but it, 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 it probably exists, but it doesn't seem to the point where like from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like one cafe wants wants to see another one go out of business. Like oh, we want to put them in the ground. I say there's shit. there's more unsaid than than it's okay. Said. Okay. Um, is the are there similarities with the bar scene in Providence, or is it like is it a major differences? Like, what are some of the similarities or crossover you seen between the caf the, the coffee cafe businesses and the bar business? I can confidently say that the bar scene in Providence is beautiful. I mean, it it, it is a collective symbiotic thing that everyone wants each other to succeed. Like, everyone wants a busy bar scene in Providence is better for everyone. You know, there's it's going to ebb and flow from bar to bar. Yeah. You know, one, one bar is going to be busier. Not everyone's going to be scattered evenly throughout right. every bar. In a beautiful world, that'd be awesome. But like Nolan's can be jam-packed, you know, and yep. we might be slow or we might be busy. And, you know, Isco's slow. Or the great thing about this neighborhood is the pinball effect you talked about. So it's like if they're busy, we're going to get spillover, which is huge. You know, that's, that's kind of a big reason why we opened the place here. But um, the bar competition, I think, in general in Providence is just like this – 
this weird, encouraging kind of like, not weird, like a beautiful, encouraging, just animal, you know, whether it's like passing around, you go to a bar and you're like, Hey, I need a bottle of triple sec. Like we're out. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no problem, man. Like, you know, or like, Hey, we're at a bar straws today. Do you have any extras? Yeah, sure. And I've seen bartenders from like one bar be at another bar. Because we all work. It's such a small city. We've all worked at every bar. We know every bar manager. There's no, and also to plug, you know, a beautiful, the, the bartenders guild, is this world, national worldwide, but national also? The USBG United States Bartenders Guild has its own chapter in Rhode Island. Uh, not if you're if you're a local bartender and you really want to learn everything you can about a bar. If you want to experience, you know, different bars, you go to events, whether it's a tasting, whether it's you know, um, a cocktail class or whatever. Go on this website. You have to pay certain dues a year. It's not it's not expensive at all. And you get to experience these awesome things. You you get to be involved in a club that, you know, is very awesome as far as a bartender standpoint is concerned. You know, and you, they post jobs all the time. If you're looking at, like, instead of going on Indeed or, like, Craigslist, you go on the USBG website and there's there's listings of different bars that are reputable bars that, you know, the USBG puts its stamp on. You can find, you know, listings for that as well. Um, so I think the United States Bartenders Guild, the Rhode Island chapter is just, I you know, an awesome thing that Providence has that kind of just blends all these bars together and like kind of brings everyone together. Cause that's all we're about community in the end, you know, does the coffee cafe scene, is it already at that same level as the bar scene the way you I don't think so. I think it can learn a lot from the the bar scene. Okay. So I was gonna be like another question. Um, why do you, what, in your opinion, why do you think that is? And what do you think the coffee and cafe scene needs to do to get to the level of the bar scene? (laughs) I mean, the easy answer is that, I don't know. You put it. You put a cocktail in someone's hand. They, they become easier to talk to, right? Okay. All it's, right. It's, it's liquid courage. So, right. so in general, I think people are more friendly at a bar just because it's you want to talk. You know, yeah. it's the nature of a bar. Um, and then the nature of coffee is, you know, you're on edge. You're a little jittery, right? It's like I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Go, so, go, or I, I, I'm on a purpose, or, or I'm working on a laptop, and I don't want to talk to anyone. So, it's our goal as a coffee and bar to kind of break that down. You know, I, I've had some people unfortunately say to me like. Well, can you let us know when there's going to be like music here? Cause I'm trying to work. And I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, you can follow our Instagram. I post about, you know, pro- programming all the time. You know, we, unfortunately our schedule changes all the time. Like we have insane hours, you know, we're open all the time. So it's like, it's hard to kind of like really put also, together. It's like, like the music's con- happening. Like no. during the day, Monday through no, Friday. It's, no, it's no, like no. happening either like right. at night. It's like Thursday through hours. Sunday. I, so then yeah. I, 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 inc- I remind them we're a bar too. You know what I mean? Like we're, Sorry, you know, if you didn't get your work done this first six hours you were here sitting on a tea that you paid for, you know, and didn't get anything else, like, I, I can't, you know, yeah. we don't have a Wi-Fi cut off. I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. You know, you're welcome to stay the entire day here, but just don't complain to me when we, like, we start playing music. You know what I mean? Funny enough, I had one one person complain. I don't even think they were working. They were just there with their friends, but then I had somebody else who was working and they were like, thank you for giving me a good soundtrack to work to. I'm like, all right, it works both ways. And that's the other thing. Like, look, people are, that's the nature of the beast. You're not going to satisfy everyone, you know, and I've gotten, if I've learned one thing in my 32 years in life is that you can't be friends with everyone. You can't satisfy everyone. You know, if we talked about, you you talked about adaptability, accessibility, experimenting in your cafe space, ultimately do what you're going to do. You know, you know what you want and push that, push that as much as you can, but don't, don't compromise as, you know, there's compromises, but also know what you're worth and know, know what you're trying to go for and don't let, don't let people kind of criticize that so you you said earlier you know besides spirits there's one other thing you know and that's how to manage yeah how did you become the the manager of this because 
was that from the transition of the downtown loc- you know, location? Because mm-hmm. you said that you weren't the manager at the time and you weren't necessarily like mad that you didn't get the manager. Um, was that from the transition to this new spot? And it was like, hey, Ryan, like you're the guy who knows it. Like, how did that, how did that happen? So it was, it was right along the time where, you know, I, I wanted to push myself and ask for that management position in Newport. Because uh, Ben had left the company at Coffee and Spirits. And he had basically said to Rick, our, the owner, um, you don't need to look for anyone else. I think you should hire Ryan. He's, you know, he's learned as much as I've been able to ta- teach him. You know, he's come, he wants it. I can see that he, you know, has the drive for it. And if there's anyone you're going to leave the, the gig to, I think it should be him. So he basically told me, like, it's yours if you want it. So that's when I, I came up. I'm like, well, I, I kind of want the payroll gig too. So like, let me let me first put my self out there and see if I get that. And it's not like it's, I didn't not want the coffee and spirits job, but like the, I thought I had, you know, my style of bartending was more, I think meant for Paro in Newport at the time, you know, I was kind of scared to take on this new experiment, this kind of like weird, like enigma of like, are we a coffee shop? Are we a bar? Are we, you know, and you got to know the history of, yeah. of, you know, funny enough, like the history thing, you got to know the history exactly. of like all these different spirits and, and coffee. I was, and and I, was, and I was fascinated on that too, but I kind of wanted to translate what I learned from Ben and kind of take it somewhere else to be gotcha. honest. But, you know, I couldn't be happier with what I, you know, the job, the job I took, like it, it's, we have the, the uh, benefit of hindsight, right? We said before in the podcast, I, I can't imagine my life if I stayed in Newport and I don't think it'd be good to be honest. I mean, I think I would have spiraled that. I probably would eventually move there, which, and I probably would have fell down this fucking, you know, rabbit hole of just shit. And I'm so, I'm so glad that I took this coffee and spirits job because the arcade, the first two years that I managed in the arcade before the pandemic was tough, to be honest. Like I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't getting paid what I should have been. You know, there wasn't re- really recognition of what we were doing. We were still kind of that weird, like, you know, what are we? What are you doing? You're, you know, you're, the, you're the special project in terms exactly. of like the company's yeah. eyes. Okay. And we weren't like, you know, it didn't seem like a real thing. And and Rick knew that too. Like he, he in, in meetings, and this is why I can't, I'm not trying to shit on him by any means. Like we have had meetings since then. And I'm, I've said, I'm going to do much better than the arcade. He goes, Ryan, he, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything at the arcade. Like I wasn't compensating you for what I was expecting. I wasn't like, you know, he, he was the first one to tell me like, of course you didn't do as well. Like I didn't give you the tools to succeed, you know? And he fully admits that. And it's like, now it's like, all right, now we're in the same building. We're in the same project. We're doing like, he's two feet away from me in my desk. You know, we can, I can pop in anytime and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Those lines of communication are there as well, which is probably different. Huge, huge. I can't even explain to you how like, I never feel like I'm, I mean, he's never been the boss to like, you kind of have to get it out of him. Like, Hey, am I doing a good job? <laughs> because yeah. he, he kind of just lets you go, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is great. But at the same time, I need like, all right, we got to meet once a month and be like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, like what's, what's the next, are you happy? Are you not happy? Yeah, you know? like, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Right. How do I improve? Yeah. Cause I want to improve need, and I need, need the feedback. I need criticism. I do. You know? So that actually, I think lead, this leads me into question. Cause I think there's so many different definitions of it. Um, so it's a two-part question. Do you think manager, manager and leader is the same thing or should be, they be considered the same thing? Cause I think sometimes they're not. And that's to me, that's odd, but I want to get your personal opinion on it. 
So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, in your opinion, regardless of the industry or like the you know the company you're working for, what does a manager actually do? Sure. Um, management and leader. Um, I, yeah, I think you can't be a manager unless you're a leader. Like it. it I've I've experienced both sides of the coin. I've had a manager that just is totally by the book and just, you know, it's no fun, no frills. And I respect that in a degree where it's like, all right, I know what's, I know what's expected of me. I know what I have to do. I know I might not be getting paid for what I think I should be getting paid for, but I know what's expected of me. At least there's no like shying away from that. But also like I've been with leaders that done, you know, as I've led me in a way that's just, they're, they're there every step of the way. And they're just like, they're showing you by leadership. They're showing you by example, basically like they're doing everything that, you know, so you want to be a better person, not just because they're the manager, because they're leading you in a, in a certain way that you, you don't want to fail because they're doing all the same things that you're doing. And that's what I try to do. Like I, I'm, I've been elite, I've been a leader, whether I like it or not throughout my whole life, whether it's like friendship groups or whether it's been like, you know, I don't know, hell, in a Bible study that I've been in, you know, back in my, you know, Christian days or whatever. Like, the leader, to me, my mom's always taught me to lead someone is just to be a better person and to to just do by example. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to expect anyone to do anything in my cafe that I haven't done myself. You know, I'm sweeping the floors. I'm, I'm, I'm like cleaning out the, the, the trash. I'm taking, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything that a management, a manager should, in my opinion. There's no, like, hierarchy of you know I'm going to sit at my desk for eight hours a day and not check in or not do you know anything that you don't see me doing you know what I mean um, but I think it's a fine line like it, it's you got to know the balance between <laughs> I don't want to say you can't be friends with them either like you can't like it's 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 a situation where you have to lead and you have to manage you know, leading them isn't just exactly, you know, it's not going to be a situation where you're just like, all right, I'm going to let you do whatever you're doing, you know, and just kind of like let it fall by the wayside a little bit. You got to know how to manage too. You got to know how to manage people and know what's expected of them and rule, but like rule with a very even fist and rule with like a very kind of like tempered kind of like attitude. Be receptive to what people are are, are asking. And that's, that's my biggest part. I mean, I, I try to put out a, a staff, you know, um, basically a check-in every Tuesday when I do the schedule. We use this app called Seven Shifts, and I basically, I put out a list of like, all right, here where we're at. You know, like, here's the schedule. Let me know what's going on. Here's, all right, there's a lot of quested days off. All right, here's the new beer we have on tap. Here's a w- new whiskey we have in. Um, this is great in this cocktail, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the dishwasher's broken. I know it is. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have new cafe specials coming out. Like, what do you guys think about all this? I try to make it like a very open communal, open, just conversation. But at the same time, I, I, I want to make sure that it's a, it's a, it's a very delicate balance. Cause you don't want to, you want to be open, but you don't want to be too open where it's like, now you're just like, I want to go back to that yeah. balance part in a moment. Cause one thing I've noticed about here. And it's funny from the social media posts and even just talking to you and from DJing here and then from being a customer here and just the vibe of the place and speaking with like the workers 
you know, the people working here, like behind the bar and things like that, is that you and the business by extension appreciate your customers, the growers you work with, the cafes you work with, the, you appreciate the employees, at least it's, you know, like outside of looking at it, it seems like it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the cult, like, is that, I was gonna, I'm, I'm gonna assume it's both. I'm gonna assume is that that's both you personally and the culture of New Harvest, but like how has maybe the two influence, like how did New Harvest influence you and how to appreciate people and, and the people you work with? And then do you think you had an effect on how New Harvest like looks at that kind of thing? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's totally hand in hand. I mean, I, I've learned, I'm, I'm a pre- it's a trickle down effect. I'm appreciated by my boss and because I am, I lead the same way. You know what I mean? And it's what's fascinating about the company is that he's not just a, he's a very proactive boss in a way that like he's seen all the time, you know? So it's not only do my employees know that I'm the cafe manager, but they also know that the boss is very approachable as well. Our office is one office, you know, they can, they can talk to both of us at the same time. They know there's a hierarchy of power, but it's not like, not, not, like, not like you can't like like all oh, this person's untouchable. Yeah. Like when the, all the bosses are shh, like you know, no, yeah, Appro- approachability is huge. I mean, it's transparency too. I mean, I, it's the transparency of this company is, is is what kind of just gives me the ability to be to breathe freely and kind of know that I know what's expected of me, but at the same time, it's there's room for me to kind of do what I need to do, and my employees, I think, feel the same way. And it's, it's kind of a beautiful symbiosis of, of just a general, just understanding of what, what work needs to be done, what goal, what collective goal do we want to reach and how can we get there? So going back to that part about balance, I'm going to preface this question from, um, it's not a direct quote, it's like a general, I'm going to paraphrase it from uh, entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk, where I thought it was it was hilarious the way he puts it, but it makes a lot of sense. He's like, hey, I talked to all these like entrepreneurs, business owners, owner operators where they go, Gary, why aren't my employees working as hard as me? And he's like, well, you shouldn't expect them to work as hard as you. And they're like, what? Why? And they're like, are, are you paying them the same? They're like, no. So he's like, so you expect the entry level person to work mm-hmm. as hard as you, the CEO, the mm-hmm. owner, the operator who's making like X amount more pay than them, but you want to work them to work as hard as you. Like, why do you why do you feel entitled to expect that just because right. they're working for you like oh they should just be mm-hmm. happy like they should work hard work hard but work hard to up to what you're paying them if you're expecting them to do the exact same thing right. you're doing and they don't own the company then like you can't mm-hmm. expect that the reason why i preface that because i first i think it's hilarious um like that like no one's ever put it that way before but it makes total sense, total sense. do you think now um and maybe this should have been happening all along but now in the times that we're in, post-COVID world, great, great resignation, right? And I'll give you another example before I ask the question. Um, one pizza place that was new that opened up, won't say the name. I didn't even bother trying them because I walked by. I was like, nope. But the owner of that place as they were about to open was was on local news. Okay, and, you know, maybe if people can put two to go two together, they can figure out who that sure, is. Sure, sure, sure. Um, complaining nobody, you know, the whole nobody wants to work. Mm-hmm. Da da da! Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to do this, and you know, com- and complain. I can't find anybody. They did right. eventually open, so they must have found somebody. Yeah, must have. Um, but to then, you know, 
the uh, complete, in my opinion, 180. Uh, Shout-outs to the guys at Pizza Marvin. You know, or even even Lost Valley Pizza, mm-hmm. or even Nice Slice, mm-hmm. or even, um, you know, I, w- I want to say or even, because all these places are great. Pizza sure. J. Yeah. Figadini. Someone can correct me. Doesn't seem like they're hurting for people to work at those places. Right. You know, doesn't seem like, I don't see Marvin, Pizza Marvin hurting for people to work there. I don't see... I don't see Figadini hurting for people to work there. I don't see Nice Slice hurting for people. I don't see Pizza J hurting for people. I don't see Lost Valley Pizza mm-hmm. hurting for people, right? Those businesses seem to, you know, from the, their attitudes towards the people that work for them seem to be a lot different than this other guy who's, you know. Right. You know, uh, that's, uh, that's the only clues I'll give. Sure. reason why I say all that, do you think expectations of owners, operators, CEOs, and managers have changed or needed to have changed. Maybe it was a long time coming. Like this all happened, like where the expectations of that and like how people work is different. Or do you think that maybe just certain managers, certain owners, operators just don't have the, the knowledge of, I don't want to say EQ because then it's like, oh, emotional intelligence. Not, I'm not going to get into that freaking debate, but the idea of like the, the ability to read people and have empathy. Cause I don't think empathy is a skill that necessarily gets talked about when it comes to management and in business and leadership, but it really should be because I think you have to have empathy with your employees. I think you nailed it. I think that's the word I was I was going to say is, is empathy because it's and empathy is not weakness. I think and that's I, the other thing too. Like people yeah. are like, oh, like yeah, you can't be nice. People walk over them like, but that's it's empathy. It's just being able to yeah. like empathize with people. It's not a weak thing. That's just being able to relate. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's when I first started, I did let. I, I let a lot of things just walk all over me. You know, I, 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 you learn a lot, you know, I think anyone starting a business or managing for the first time, you know, will realize this. They'll either go way too hard and make everyone hate them or they'll go way too low or like, you know, easy and let everyone walk all over them. It's like an all or nothing yeah. on either extreme. And, and I think when f- someone's first starting, like whatever part of the spectrum you're on, if, if you land somewhere in the middle, you're doing it right. You know, like you, you gotta, you gotta empathize with employees. You gotta give them time off. You gotta like, I, I'm, I've, I think I've denied one schedule request off and it's who's, who's cutting up, the, who's making up the slack. It's, it's me, you know, like it, does my partner not you hate it? Yeah. You know, like it's, but she, she understands that, that what my role is in this job. She understands who I am as a person. She understands my empathy. She understands that the buck stops with me. And ultimately, if I want this cafe to succeed, it's going to fall or it's going to either succeed or die on my hands. You know, so like if you got to empathize with it, you can't burn people out. I have a small staff. I need to keep numbers down because it's our first year. There's, I, I would love to bring other staff on, but I also want to give the workers I have 35, 36 hours a week, you know, whatever, 40 hours if they, if they can do it. You know what I mean? I'll schedule them the full load if they want it. You know, that keeps labor hours low. That keeps, you know, I I can't, that keeps my, you know, everything. And if, especially if I, if, you know, they need time off, you gotta, you gotta let them go because they need to breathe. You know that, and that's what Rick tells me too. Like I said, before we even started the conversation, you know, I took today off because he's like, you got to get out of here. You know, if you if you spend, I can't have you being burnt out in the first <laughs> eight months we've been open because right. you know he's like because not gonna, not gonna I know he doesn't term. he doesn't want to lose me. He said for the first time, like you know, he, I've never seen my boss so bored in my life. You know, he, he finally is a situation where he's like he's hired the exact right people that he needs to 
actually be a CEO of the company where he can like focus on outreach and like finding focus on growing the business right. and innovative ideas rather than just keeping the lights on. Exactly. Yeah. Which is which is a lot of businesses never even get to that yeah. point. And if you can, you're lucky. I and know. it's like, okay, what are you gonna do now? And now he has the uh, autonomy to kind of make decisions like that. And it's and it's huge. And I like today I was just like, all right, I'll work in my garden in a beautiful day and I'll I'll come in for a podcast. Like I'm willing to do that. Pr- appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's whatever. No, I mean this is this a beautiful ending to my day off. But um, but it's another weekend, you know, starting tomorrow. We have a, a Friday night flea. We have this farmer's market on Saturday. We have the Providence flea on Sunday. So it's like back into business. You know, it's, I love what I'm doing. I love my employees and I, I try to give them as much autonomy as I can. You know, I, I realize, I mean, look, I have a lot of employees that are over 25, low 30s, you know, probably not what they're going to be doing the rest of their lives. I recognize that. You know, but I also appreciate them and I want to show them and I want to pay them competitively. I want to, you know, I want to make sure they know that they're recognized because I don't want to, I don't want a bunch of high schoolers working for me, you know, like, Hey, I need 18 year olds cause we're serving alcohol. But like, I was say, that might be an issue but right like I, at the same time, like there's something to be said. I, I love, I love teaching someone new that comes in that has cafe knowledge, but not a lot of bar knowledge, but or bar knowledge doesn't have a lot of cafe knowledge. I can work with that. A fresh slate is is something unique. I haven't I haven't worked with that too much, but you know it's a challenge, and I'm willing to I want to see that head on. You know. So besides keep you know like just from like a numbers and numbers perspective and accounting perspective, when do you realize you either need to hire or scale or scale up or add a new part to the business or try something new like one because i think that's like something that a lot of business owner operators managers they make the mistake of like let's all oh, this thing's doing gangbusters let's scale it to the freaking moon and, sure, then, and, it, and then like and then the business yeah. fails because it's yeah. it, it scaled up too quickly or they didn't take that into consideration so you know how do you and and or new harvest as a business recognize hey we need to hire people Hey, we need to scale this. We need to add this new program. We need to like, you know, improve on this or, or, you know, expand this or get into a new restaurant, get into a new territory, et cetera. I think it's having a a blueprint of, you know, so right now I have a three-year plan that Rick and I've, I've outlined, you know, we year one at Farm Fresh, year two, year three, you know, what are are you expecting? So you got to, you got to know what you're expecting. You got to, in a new year of a business, you, you set a number out there. You just, you kind of have to as a ballpark number. So we kind of use the arcade. We're like, all right, this is what we made at the arcade for a year. You know, profit, you, you look at our PL sheets. We translate those into like, all right, we recognize that things are different parking, local businesses around us, things like that. We can probably increase those numbers a little bit, but we kind of have to keep it realistic. You know what I mean? So expectations, right? Know what your expectations are. See where you have a three-year or like at least a year-out plan, and if you if you succeed, fucking great. But at the same time, you can't blame yourself if you fail either. You know that these are you got to understand where your expectations are. That's step one. Step two is volume. You know if you're exceeding your expectations, then you can. All right, now we can talk about hiring someone new because you know you can't have the manager working on the floor six days a week. Right. Cause he has to, my job is to focus on how I can grow this business in certain ways that I can't really think about if I'm, you know, ringing someone out right. all the time. I'm happy to do it. That's, that's ultimately where I came from. You know, I was born from that. 
I know how to do it and I'll do it anytime I need, I'm needed. But ultimately I need to be free to like see the business from a three, 360 point of view and how I can grow it, whether it's DJs or whether it's, um, you know, education, education. Yeah. Or like branching out, like doing events in the hallways doing, you know, there's so many things that I'm just scratching the surface on that we can, the met, the mezcal and coffee tasting together and going into history and doing that. Um, so that's, that's step two is right. Is knowing, knowing what the volume is, you know, like today I got an email from him because we, you know, we're, our morning business is getting busier and busier. So normally we'd have someone come in at seven, open for eight, and then they're alone till nine. And then, you know, they have, there's two people on the floor till three, whatever. The opener now is opening at eight and they have a line out the door, you know? So it's like, all right, now let's, where can we shift what can we work with with what we have first? Let's recognize the Recalibrate step. and balance. Let's recalibrate, out. especially in our first year, where we don't have a lot of playroom from like monetarily. You know what I mean? How can we play with hours as far as what we have for a staff? Does that mean opening an hour earlier and bringing in the mid earlier? You know, so that they're here, or like you know what I mean, bringing in the mid right when someone opens. Does that mean closing a little earlier? You know, but it, like with each decision, there's ripple effects, right? Like I don't want to. My biggest thing is, and what I appreciate with anyone that opens a business is consistency, especially in hours. I want to be open for the hours we start we open so people can, I don't care if you're slow. We're open till 10 and we're going to stay open till 10. We're not going to be like, oh, tonight's slow. Let's close at nine. No, like what if uh, we have construction workers that are working on the I-95 North or South Bridge right now that come in here at like. 9 p.m. And when that and consistency goes off the rails, then it's like people stop going to that business because they're yeah, like, oh, they, I never know when you guys are open. And it's, it's not like that they hate you. That's not, they're, they're just like, but it's not, just like, all right, I'm going to go to somebody that is, that right. is, because at least yeah. I know they'll be open. So like, it, it's a catch 22 because you want to like, all right, you know, so let's, let's bring in someone. Let's work with the staff that we have. Let's bring in someone earlier. And then, all right, so we're closing at nine now. Like in, in the first year, we're already shifting hours. I don't, don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like I, if we're just open till 10, we're closed on Mondays. People know that. Tuesday through Sunday, though, you know, we're open till when we say we're open. And, like, I want to stick to that. So it's, like, it's 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 twofolded of working with what you have. And then hopefully when you reach a volume big enough, you can add someone else and you can expand hours, you know? Now, would you say that that process is the same or is there differences when it comes to not growth and knowing when to scale but knowing – when to take a, I'll, I'll, I'll put a preface to this, a calculated risk. Yeah. Like how to recognize a calculated risk mm-hmm. and how, and knowing when to take that calculated risk. Like how do you approach that? It's, is it the same process as what you just said? or is Trial, it trial and error. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's honestly just like throwing things at a fan and seeing, you know, if it sticks, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it, my boss wouldn't have put me in this position if he didn't know, like, experience is huge. You know, like that's, that's my biggest attribute to management, you know, is, is that I've, I've done, I've experienced most of it and I've worked through most of it. So I know with most situations, like I talk to my older brother all the time and he's like, dude, you're doing a great job. And it's just like, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'd say like most days I feel very confident. I'd say like three days of the week, they're, they're just like, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm being like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? And he's like, that's healthy. That's normal. He's like, the, the reasons why those other days are passed by seamlessly is because you, you know what you're doing. You know, they get, everything is just clicking because 
it's experience, you know? So like, that's how I take things like scheduling and, and management and, uh, you know, when do we hire someone? When do we, I kind of just, it's by feel. It's, it's honestly by, you know, it's knowing, knowing your employees, knowing your space, knowing your customer base, knowing your volume, just kind of being present as much as you can. So, and it's nuanced. I mean, not, every company is not going to be, I can't. Yeah. It's going to be no, different. There's no blueprint, you know, for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, I think this leads into one of the last questions beautifully. So from this wealth of experience that you have, what advice would you give to the creative entrepreneur starting their own business, the uh, current entrepreneur, the current owner operator, the current manager? um, what What advice would you give when it comes to managing and experimenting because I think that's been the, the sure. you know, especially, especially the experiment part, like knowing when to take that risk and experiment and, and advice on management, those two things, what advice would you give to any of those people, the entrepreneur, owner, operator, sure. manager, et cetera? I'd say immerse yourself as much as you can. I don't care if, how silly it is. Involve whatever you're doing, throw yourself into it and let it consume you. And I don't want to say consume you in a way that it's like, all right, you don't have a social life anymore. You don't, you forget your friends. You don't call your mom. I'm not saying consume in that way, but let it, like a plant that's starving for water, let it let it nourish you. You know, like learn everything you can. Ask questions. That's another thing. Ask questions. No one's gonna. I mean, yeah, you might be that annoying guy that like or person that just is. But ultimately, you're gonna be better for it. Yeah. You know, like you might be shoot off eventually, but they're like. Well, man, that guy seems very interested. Yeah, he like he wants to. He clearly wants to know what's going on. He wants to be here for a purpose. So, like, I feel like it's way worse to like be a know-it-all and act like you know everything, and then you really oh, know, rather yeah. than rather than be like, hey, I don't know this stuff. I want to know more. That's what it is. And don't don't bullshit. I mean, there's there are times for bullshitting. I've 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 gotten very far in life when the necessary bullshitting needs to happen. But also, just know when you're know when you're wrong, and know when you don't know what you're doing, and ask. You know, just learn as much as possible from everyone. I mean, as far as just in, especially in management, you know, just be cognizant of that. You're, you're not, you're in that position because your experience led you to that position. If you're in a management gig because, you know, you, you just came out of an out of nowhere, good on you. It's probably going to be a lot harder than, you know, you think it is. Like, don't. Don't take it for granted. You know what I mean? But, but know your worth, you know, know you're there for a reason. Always take a minute to step aside and say, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Recognize that. Then don't let others, you know, because that, that goes, that goes so far. Um, I don't know how many times I've just had, you know, I have to take a walk around the building and just be like, all right, I needed to step away from the office for a minute. I need fresh air. I needed to like recollect myself. I know what I'm doing. Was it a bad day? Sure. But tomorrow's a new day. Tackle it. So with that, I think we're going to end on, I think it's a good way. I think it's a great way actually to end, to end this episode. Went on, it went on, had one idea of a tangent <laughs> in mind. I think you, we both did. And then it yeah. went on, it went on to a different, completely That's tangent. That's a beautiful thing about but conversation. Exactly. This is why I do this. Cause I think it's going to go one way and mm-hmm. it goes another way. And then after the fact, I get to listen back and be like, Oh, now I get to like cut this up and craft it into a story. Cause I sure. think we crafted a story here about risk-taking and willing to experiment. And when the experiment becomes the flagship, that's going to be the aim of the episode. Mm-hmm. Hold me to it when I put the episode. I will. <laughs> but um, what, you know, anything you want to, you know, um, I guess sign out on, anything you want to promote, anything you want to say, 
uh, it's it's open open floor. You can take all the minutes you want. It's it's open mic, hot mic, hot take. Sure, go for it. Uh, first, I want to thank you, Jason. I mean, you, you, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I mean, I selfishly, I you know, I I didn't know much about your your podcast. You know, I, I knew that you when I first started talking to you at the arcade. You know, I knew what type of person you are. I knew you were like in tech, and I knew you were like you know, super talkative. And I knew you were just like this awesome guy that just was, you know, supported the business and I couldn't thank you enough. And, I, and you continue to do so. And that, that's huge. But then, uh, I found out, I, I listened to your, your interview with Manya, um, across the way. And I was just like, man, this guy's like, he's really doing it. You know, like it, I know it's not <laughs> necessarily paying you all that much, but I, man, if I, anybody I, wants to sponsor yeah, the show, please do it's man, open please, season. This guy. I will hawk anything. <laughs> This guy, Anything. Seriously, this guy is, um, he's trying his hardest tonight. Please sponsor him, please. Um, as far as guys, just come out to coffee and spirits. I mean, if you haven't experienced new harvest coffee, I mean, we're shame on you, but, um, cause we're, yeah, ever, we're, we're everywhere, but like, just step, come, come to Sims Avenue and, and experience this neighborhood. Mainly I want you to come to our cafe, but I, I can't. I got to plug everyone in this neighborhood that whether it's Revival, Isco Spirits, um, PVD Brewing Company, PVD Brewing Company, Tallulah's, everyone. I mean, Wrights, Reds, <laughs> Farm Fresh. I mean, fuck, go to Fantasies, get a lap dance, <laughs> come get a cold brew before you do. I mean, it's it's only going to help. I mean, yeah, look, all the dancers, they're, 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 they're great customers of ours. Lattes they, and lap dances sound like a great I'm telling podcast. you, that's a podcast, man. It, it's. <laughs> We're not, we want to grow the coffee education. We want to grow spirit education. Um, and I'm there for all of it. Um, coffee and spirits is going to be different this time around. And I can promise you that we are just getting started. I mean, we're almost in year one and, and the sky's the limit for us here. Um, I appreciate everyone that has supported us throughout the, the, throughout the years, especially in the old arcade. I mean, we still have loyal customers that come over from there. Um, I learned a lot and I'm still learning and, um, I appreciate it. You guys and, and you, Jason, and, and everything this podcast is doing. So happy to be here and, uh, get your ass out to, uh, 10 Sims Avenue. Oh, and, uh, follow us on coffeeandspirits.ri on Instagram, please. Thank you. Which is different than the new harvest Instagram. Different than the new harvest Instagram. Um, yeah, everyone gets confused on that, but coffeeandspirits.ri is our cafe and bar Instagram. You'll find out all your programming, all your, whenever Jason's doing his set here, um, and everyone else and just all of our weird specials and quirky takes and, you know, so please follow us. And with that, till next time, everybody. Peace. Keep on creating. And that's it for this episode of the Creative Capital Show. Thank you for listening. And a special thanks goes to this episode's guest, Ryan Zins. The Creative Capital Show is hosted, recorded, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Jason Sylvia. You can listen to The Creative Capital Show over at our website, creativecapitalshow.com. We're also available on Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. If you like the show, please subscribe. Helps the show out a lot. And be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I hope you enjoyed the show, and until next time, keep on creating.